patience, my friend. Afraid, are you? This station is being brought to you via Nolsoft Outcast streaming technology. For more information, visit shoutcastoutcast.com. Hi, I'm Sean Williams. And I'm Shane Dick. And we're the authors of the new Jedi Order trilogy, Force Heretic. You're listening to Star Wars on Direct. Legends Action Figures, the place for Star Wars figures and collectibles in Canada. Visit our website and compare our prices. We've got customers from all around the world and the best service around. Come meet the staff at our Montreal store or visit our website at www.legendsactionfigures.com. All prices in Canadian dollars. Star Wars on Direct is brought to you by SimpleNet. With SimpleNet, obtain a low-cost advertising for your company or, quite simply, a space to put your personal website online. Join us at www.simple-net.ca. Transmissions. A communications disruption can mean only one thing. Here they come. The coordinate tractor beam is pulling us in. You may fire when ready. Commence primary ignition. And welcome to Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. Tonight we got very, really hot topics. There's never been over-discussed that much. <laughs> Star yeah. Wars versus Star Trek. The most discussed topic ever. That's right. Really? I'm joined here I'm by my producer, Lunatic. Hello, everybody. co-host, hello, hello. Kit Fisto. Um, of course, as I just said, we're going to be discussing Star Wars versus Star Trek tonight. And it's going to promise us to be really cool. Uh, also, we got an interview with director of the Star Wars documentary, Star Wars. So, I'm just going to say Danny. Dennis. Dennis. So, it's Dennis Zirara. Or, well, Zirara? Zirara. You know, we'll ask him to tell, our, to tell us his last name because it's like way too difficult. Like, even Romites is easier to pronounce, you know. Uh, of course, we got an hyperspace segment coming up. The Star Wars Miscellaneous News. Community update at the end of the show. And right now we're going to go to Fisto, who's going to tell us how to contact us. Okay, you can contact us via email at studio at swendirect.com, by MSN Messenger, swendirect at hotmail.com. The chat, there's a link on the, on the main site, which is www.swendirect.com. There's also a webcam link on the main page. 
That's right. And you can see us diffusing. Can you right see here. me? No. I didn't think so. <laughs> I'm not that <laughs> important. No, you're just a guy who smiles and looks good. So that's why you're not on the webcam. Yeah, I know. I'd put, I'd put sad to shame. That's you, right. You don't have the fanboy image. I don't? Oh, no. Okay. You look too much like... A geek. Normal. <laughs> a geek? A geek. <laughs> a geek. That's okay. It's, it's kind of a compliment, you know? Really? Then what are you? Fanboy? That, that, that means you're, you're bright. I'm a fanboy. Definitely. Okay. <laughs> I'd rather not be a fanboy. That's right. <laughs> so if you want us to call you, of course, make sure to add the, uh, add the uh, user SW. Ian at hotmail.com to your messenger list and send us your email, your uh, telephone number. Sorry about that. And right now, we're going to review a couple of movies for you because uh, it was a pretty busy week. Yes. And uh, we busy actually, two weeks. Yeah, busy two weeks. <laughs> and we actually got to see the, f- the premiere of Taking Lives with none other than Angelina Jolie. Yes. And the movie was shot here in Montreal, so it's really cool for us. And we got a little, like, demographic lesson to give you guys because... Geographical lesson, more like. Not demographic. Yeah. Oh, demographic, definitely, also, I said, actually. Yeah, because, you know, you can't make, like, from Quebec to Halifax and... No, demographics is about the population. Yes, also. Um, we don't speak like that. In, in oh, yeah. In, uh, These guys Quebec. were French. Yeah. <laughs> they were French. <laughs> Let's make that clear now. So... Taking lights, Mr. Producer. Yes. Uh, I think it was not a great movie, an, an enjoyable one, but not, it's more interesting for us to see places we know. You know, it's you go outside and that's where they, they filmed it. But they took Quebec City, which is uh, 250 kilometers away. Three hours away. Three hours away. And they took some places there and pretended that it, it was in Montreal but it wasn't but what's cool is that, is, is that the story actually takes place in Montreal it's not just shot in Montreal yeah that's it there you go and it was really fun I you know I kind of enjoyed the movie but I'm not sure you know it's like they, they say it's as great as The Silence of the Lambs no, I wouldn't put it as. Oh boy! <laughs> no, no that's it. what they say, and I wouldn't put it that high. You know, it's it's an enjoyable movie. Angelina Jolie is great. I could go into more details, but I'll tell you just like if you like Angelina Jolie, go see the movie. You'll probably like it, and um, you know, okay. don't don't expect too much because it's not that good a movie. It's not a Night Shyamalan movie. Well, I'm gonna rip to shreds. But if you if you like if you like TNA. You can go see it just for the yeah, Angelina Jolie part. I was but trying other to say that, like it's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't like it. it. It was predictable, and I didn't. Well, I didn't there were like there were some much. parts in the movie where you like you were wondering some some stuff, but not even. And also, you everything was shot in old Montreal. Yeah. Hello, not old Montreal is small, That's very it. small. And they run and they run from the ports, which is old Montreal, to da- to Place des Arts. Yeah. Now, if I remember correctly, that's about a fifty-block walk, at least. Prox. Approximately, and you cross an expressway. Uh, uh, indeed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're not running through crowds. Oh no, <laughs> but they were. They were. So it's fairly uh, funny. No, but I, that, and uh, you know. The end part, I knew, as soon as he started throwing her around, that she wasn't. Yeah. So, 
Blood just that's blew it. <laughs> he, but that's against because that's against one of the rules of convention of a thriller yeah. slash horror movie. You can't you do cannot, that. You cannot go with that far. No, yes. you can't do that. Okay. You also saw Jersey Girl. Yes. The latest Kevin it's Smith movie. Kind of a, a story. I really? went to go see it Friday night because I swore that I would see it on Friday night to enter in the contest on the VSQ website okay. to get a poster. So I swore I'd see it. Yeah. And I was and I got and I got in the car with my sister and we went to go see it at the Guzo at 9:30 for the 9:30 showing. Halfway through the movie, right when Ben Affleck is getting giving the sex talk to his little girl, the lights go off. Oh fuck. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we missed half of the, we missed the other half of the movie. So we went back last night and we saw it all. Okay. For free. At least they gave us that. Yeah. That was the least they could do. And I guess uh, kind of funny though. Next door, the movie was still playing after the lights went out, and it was taking lives. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not reassuring. <laughs> anyway, um, I really enjoyed it, Jersey Girl. Um, Ben Affleck plays a great father. Um, I don't know if he's the best father in the world, but, but he, he plays, a he plays the character very well. Okay. And the young girl is great. Um, Liv Tyler. All the performance is great. The story is great. There isn't much swearing. I came home and I told my mom she could. See, it was one of the first Kevin Smith movies she could see without cringing. <laughs> <laughs> there's not too much swearing. There's not too much swearing. I think there's shit ass. Um, that's about it. Okay. And, and Bastard, uh, I think. How one. about Star Wars references? Um, there was one when she um, when you first meet the seven-year-old Gertie, and she's. She gets into her father's clean um, street cleaner, yeah. which says "Punch it, Chewy," there you and go. they go off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you had to go with the Star Wars. And there's a course. lot of uh, there's there, another funny reference is Ben Affleck not saying he's saying he doesn't like whores, which is funny. I find oh, very yes. funny indeed, especially if you refer back to Jens Bob Strikes Back. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a link in between. And every there's a cameo with uh, Jason Lee and Matt Damon. And it's very funny. Can't wait to see it. I just can't wait to see it. So, uh, we also saw Dawn, Dawn, of, the of, the de- Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Okay, if you want to see like a really gory, bloody movie that you're going to have fun at... And laugh see, a lot. And laugh a lot, go see that movie. But isn't that the point of the movie? Yeah. It's supposed to be an horror movie. <laughs> and I was awaiting something like 28 days later, but it wasn't at all. So, you know. All in all, it was a great movie. Well, you have to see the original to enjoy the remake. Mm. Yeah. Well, now I guess we'll just have to go rent the original. Uh, now. A scene that everybody will laugh is the celebrity celebrity shooting. I don't. I will not oh, yeah. tell more than that. Celebrity shooting will become an, the no, next it, the next Olympic uh, celebrity sniping. Yeah. Don't give him too much. Okay. It's going to become uh, the next. Now I need to know. <laughs> it's going to become the next celebrity, the next Olympic uh, discipline. Okay. So right now, we're going to go to a short musical break. We're going to listen to Linkin Park and Nam, and we'll be right back to Star Wars on Direct. Cheers. 
Hi, my name is Peter Mayhew. I play Chewbacca on Star Wars, and you're listening to Star Wars on Direct. And welcome back to Star Wars on Direct. Right now we're going to go to my friend Kit Fisto, who's going to tell us who's with us tonight in the chat. We have Chaser617, uh, Daigle, Dirge, Gigashock, Gorgira, 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 uh, Kalsh, Sad, Keith Already 4, Left Elbow, Mark, Xavier, Matev, Perdi, Raven, Saftarian, Nathan, uh, Tiger Claw. Go down, Seb. Is there still that's more it. people? No, that's it. No, that's it. Okay. That's, that's right. everyone. Thank you for listening. Yes. yes. Thank you for being like. With us. With us and always there two weeks after two and weeks. And there's a couple that are not in the chat, so if you're li- listening to us, come and join right us in, in the, the chat. chat. It's really fun. And uh, by the way, uh, just a little really special announcement right now at the beginning of the show. There's going to be a show next week as well. Yes. Next week. Because of so Easter. Because yeah. of Easter. So there's going to be a show next week and we're going to come back to that later on at the end of the show. Okay, but right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to tell you the rules of the infamous hyperspace segment that I do. Basically, we ask you not to discuss any spoiler in the default room of the chat on SWENdirect.com website. You can go to My Room 1 in order to get a nice little treat tonight. Check out the link I just posted uh, earlier today. And uh, you can also uh, discuss all the spoilers you want in My Room 1 of the chat. We also ask you to please not actually um, discuss any spoilers on unspoiled forums all over the internet there are there are forums that are spoiled so what you can do is actually go to those forums and discuss it all over you want so what we're going to do right now we're going to let you go for about 20 minutes so if you don't want to listen any spoilers you just have to take the volume down for the next 20 minutes and in the next in the next 20 minutes uh, after tw- the 20 minutes actually we'll let you go we'll let you know in the chat that we're done discussing any spoiler and you'll be able to come back to us and listen to the rest of the show so we're going to go in 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 1 now oh crap prepare to jump into hyperspace on my mark alright stand by And in the news, in the past two weeks, uh, the second web documentary of the episode three was released for the the general audience. Uh, Basically, One World, Two Movie is now available to everyone on StarWars.com. Yay! Uh, We also... Yeah, but, you know, they had... As Hyperspace member, we still have to have some, you know... Previews and you should. nice stuff. Welcome you back in the chat. Hey, Doobie. <laughs> uh, oh, and Nathan just posted the foamy the <laughs> the foamy link. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Okay. Basically, the uh, Star Wars Insider number seventy-five will actually be putting up front General Grievous. Uh, was he creator who rebuilt himself as a droid, or a droid who actually integrated some organic parts to try and be more alive? Who knows? Well, that's what we'll try to actually find out a little bit more in uh, maybe a later um, novel, which uh, Brian probably will tell us about later on. No? 
you'll tell us about it, don't worry. <laughs> and, of course, uh, Star Wars number 75 will give us some more details about the General of the Droid Army uh, it, in an article which will be entitled Grievous Era. The member of the artistic department, Ian McCaig, Ryan Church, Robert Barnes, and Warren Fu uh, will be discussing the ideas of the crea- and the creation of the General throughout all the concepts and, you know, the models till the final concept that was approved by George Lucas. As we saw, I think it was in the third uh, web document. No, in the fourth web documentary. I don't remember. It was in the fourth web documentary, in the last one. Um, of course, the final product has been approved for ILM. The insider cover is showing General Grievous, so, you know, I think it's going to p- become, like, pretty much well-known official, fact. Official, it's not that... It's not a spoiler. No, it's anymore. not official. It's not unofficial. No. That's it. You just General go Grievous. to a new stand and you see some kind of well, well, robot. <laughs> well, G- General Grievous has been announced for a, w- a while yeah. now, yeah. more than a few weeks. Yeah. Some unspoiled people, you know, they want to keep on to it. Even my brother knows. That's yeah, your but brother he doesn't, knows. he doesn't know all, and that's, I no, think that's no, good that way. He doesn't know all about Grievous, but, you know. In any case. He knows that he's there. That's yeah. it. So there will be a special edition of the Olanet News uh, with Grievous. Uh, Doing, a, doing one of these fights during the Clone Wars. The Insider will also have an article about women in Star Wars, uh, especially an interview with Kira Knightley. There will also be a who's who on the Carson Club. Uh, the Insider will also show the origins of the Millennium Falcon. That's an interesting thing. That's really cool. And we'll see some scans and sculptures of gentle giants, as well as a short story written by none, will, none others than Sean Williams and Shane Dix. Another reason to call them back again. That's right. Yep. That they're going to be showing up Jaina Solo once more. So I know one of my friends who's going to be really happy. One of your fans? One of my friends. Okay. Because I got multiple friends. <laughs> he doesn't have any fans. Me? Fans? I don't know. Cheetor? Like, Cheetor, probably, <laughs> yeah. Please, Cheetor. Help me. <laughs> I want to see some Seb fans. That's it. <laughs> Raise your hand. We'll do that after Hyperspace, because right now they're not listening. <laughs> the, uh, Insider Star War- the Insider number 75 has been shipped on March 19th and should be available on newsstand on April 6th. Uh, last of the, la- the couple of last rumors that are going around right now is that there are three minutes of, uh, of episode three that has been shown to people, uh, two segments of about a minute fifty or so to everyone. Uh, the majority of the scenes show Anakin and Obi-Wan in a, f- in a ferocial duel. And, um, or black in, back in black. Marketing video? Yeah, it's a sort of fam- the infamous marketing video was leaked to the internet a couple of months ago. And uh, on, the, on that extract, we see Aiden with a really, really uh, dark look in his face. So, you know, that's... Yeah, that's Mark- that's 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 marketing video. <laughs> that's uh, there's also another scene which shows uh, Jedi statue without a head, which seems to be, which seems to be into the, the Jedi Temple, probably the Wrath of Anakin. Oh, my God, that would be a bad title for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Any title I think you could come up with, some people would find it bad. That's mm. it. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to be happy with whatever he chooses. In any case, George left the idea of a video game with epi- of Episode Three, where in which the gamer, the gamer could actually impersonate Darth Vader. That could be a very, very interesting game. George also explained how a person loses its humanity when they win like more power. Uh, some of the elements of Episode Three will be concentrating on that conflict in the world of Anakin, and you know George is very well placed to know about 
how that things work because I mean look at him in the past couple of years he just gained more and more power and he just keeps on losing it <laughs> <laughs> the uh, other video extract of uh, about two seconds and a half show a really fast uh, scene of the space battle where a cruiser is basically cut in half the Wookiees cool. Wookie are bigger than Chewbacca and are covered in armors that's going to be kicking ass and the epic battle at the at the end of the Republic Commando game will be on Kashyyyk and with the Wookiees and the uh, the Clone Wars uh, the Clone the Troopers, Clone Troopers. Uh, against General Grievous and some of his slaves some of his Trandoshan slaves no way. <laughs> what is this? I only listen to the show because of Danny oh thank you cheater <laughs> that's it you just, <laughs> well, no, you just I, lost your new I'm a fan I'm a fan <laughs> you, you, just, you, you just lost your new intro <laughs> switch the intro back <laughs> <laughs> of course uh, we should see some extract of this battle in episode 3 on on March 18th we had a really nice little before the helmet uh, well nice you know that's the way of speaking because we basically had a picture of uh the most wanted men in America, Osama bin Laden, shown to us. On this I, thought was, I thought it was Saddam. Saddam, I, we know where Saddam was hiding. That's he it. was hiding on the set of episode three. There yeah. you go. <laughs> the Senator Fang Zar, played by Warren Owens, was uh, shown on the before the Elmet pictures, and <laughs> it was just funny. Uh, there was a rumor that uh, was released by some of the people over some site we just like don't want to tell because it's such a bad rumor. That the first. Uh, trailer for the movie should not be coming out in November as it did with the other movies but it should actually be coming out you know during the month of May this week the, the, this this year so we're going to come back to that because Pablo actually answered that question of course uh, there were some other uh, title ra- raised you know what will be the rise title rise of the Sith Empire blah, rise of blah, the Empire you know there's a little too description early. it's too early yeah I know but you know there's a little description that came that came all the way to the force.net and they say the description is that you, you basically hear Vader breathe and you have a, a shot of Anakin followed by the, the helmet of Vader and <laughs> too late you missed it yeah I missed it damn <laughs> because and then you got <laughs> you basically got the 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 sound of a lightsaber, that <laughs> that kind of sounds like a trailer I've seen before, with a big red line, you know, appearing under the screen. The title being the Rise of the Empire. I, I've I've seen that trailer like a little bit changed. It's called the Breathing Trailer for Episode Two. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why would they call it Breathing? <laughs> and of course, uh, you know. They're think they're thinking about the rise of the empire as the title. That's what some friends of the friends of friends of friends of friends sent over to TFN. Sure. In any case, the official synopsis of episode three came out on the official Star Wars website. After three years of incredible battles, the Clone Wars finally comes to its ends. The Jedi Council sends Obi Wan to bring back the in- the immortal well the mortal uh, separatist leader there you go well yeah the separatist army leader I'm, tra- I'm, I'm translating no from French to English you know it's, yeah. re- it's really funny <laughs> during the meanwhile the Palpatine uh, Chancellor Palpatine has actually obtained more power he's changed uh, he's, he's changing politics all over the Republic and it's making it more fragile and it's becoming a very more powerful galactic empire 
at his height. Uh, of course, he takes Anakin Skywalker by his side, and he tells him the, the true nature of the power, and he promises him to show him secrets of the Force in attempt, you know, in, in an attempt to bring him on the dark side of the Force. <laughs> and of course, you know, it's this is wrong because we know he actually succeeds. So tells us Pablo in the upcoming really? fact I'm going to read. Really? That's right. And I can go through the dark side? Yes. <gasps> You're astonished, aren't you? spoiled me so much. I know. The, uh, the, web, the official website actually confirmed that Amy Allen, who played uh, Ayla Sekiro, will be right back. And so episode episode isn't she three. a digital artist? or No. What does she do? She, she's, she's an actress. She's crew. No, she was part of the crew. But she was part of the crew. Go, go, uh, go to the makeup room. Exactly. Just the better then. You know, get your body painted in blue. Some people like it that way. Some people like furries. <laughs> and we're going to hear more about furries later on today. There is actually three shots finished by LM, by LM which we'll see in the next Insider. Uh, however, they're not all what we had in mind. The title, The Creeping Fear, is only a rumor. The Creeping that's Fear. So, that's a s- so bad of a title. That's a, you know, it's, it's a really bad title. Creeping Fear, come yeah. on. That's worse than the Phantom Menace. <laughs> 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 Indeed. Tamara Morrison will be the one playing the clone troopers. Uh, all the ones who, who have any names, actually. The other ones will be played by Buddy Taylor. Uh, we will know more about Palpatine and its origins before episode 3. Uh, some facts will be explained only in episode 3, however. There are some moments where George is not totally satisfied of certain scenes, but sadly, because of time restraint, he just can't work on them more. But I'm sure Rick McCollum will do a great killer job and finish like a month before they could. And He'll crack the whip. That's it. He'll work back some more. So, Ken Burns will not be doing a documentary for the DVD, uh, the DVD uh, trilogy. The, the classic trilogy DVD uh, set. Uh, you know, just another rumor that was actually denied by Pablo Hidalgo. Again, either it's really good misinformation, either he's really doing like a boring job. Poor guy. Anakin is a Jedi Knight in episode 3. No. But yes, he is. But just really? <laughs> I thought he was just a Padawan. I don't think No, he no, is, but just uh, like in Attack of the Clone, he's wondering why he's still just a Jedi Knight when he should be a Jedi Master. So, you know, he's got he's like... He's still a Padawan because I wonder Obi-Wan never gets to be a Master. No, he actually gets through the Jedi Trials. Yeah, in the so Jedi Trials books, he becomes yeah. a Jedi Knight. Really? In the yes. thought he becomes, I thought he just stays Padawan. No. no. Damn it. Sorry about that. The uh, Clone War montage. I like the montage. montage. I want to stay. I want to like under under. That's right. Shows that Ryan Church is still in the, the the in the movie, but there are there have been some little uh, change to the scene in particular. Okay, back back to Anakin. Um, huh? <laughs> he, that, I, I I totally missed that. Missed what? The Jedi Trials thing? Yeah. Yeah, it's in the synopsis. The the Clone War novel that will be coming out, I think, in November, December. Okay. Or something like that. Or this fall. Okay. That's it. Does he get a a Padawan? I don't think he gets a Padawan. No, he he never goes to become a master. Okay. He becomes a Jedi Knight in that book. That's it. And, you know, it's it's really... uh, it's really not that hard to see him becoming a Jedi Knight because the, the, the Jedi Council needs more knights 
And so they just bestowed the title upon him and, you know, they said he's going to stop whining. Apparently he didn't. <laughs> Are you surprised? <laughs> oh, but seriously, Anakin has just became like a rock legend in the Clone Wars. He's became, he became just a legend. Uh, there will be no trailer in May, says Pablo. Uh, obviously, obviously, you know, it's like it's it's got the first scenes we're going to see are going to come up with DVD, so it's going to be back in black marketing Probably. video. Maybe with some finished footage. Hopefully, yeah, I don't Please? care. I don't care <laughs> about the finished footage. I just know that that that's what's going to be. Like I got pretty pretty good sources. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> During the spatial battle at the beginning of the movie, we will not see any ships interior uh, of the Republic. Now, key word here is of the Republic. Okay. Because it means we could actually see bad guys in terrier ships. Uh, but according to, this, to the stuff that we do know, that is what happens. That's it. So we just, like, confirmed it. Again. <laughs> the henchmen of General Grievous have no name. So they're basically the henchmen with no names. Jimmy Smith has not filmed any scene for episode 4. <laughs> Contrary to episode, uh, contrary to some rumor, the Vader armor will not be coming from three different characters that we will see in episode three. There will be no Jedi Alacron in episode three, and Eddie Gallia will not be back in the movie. I think she dies. Odd. Probably in a book. Cool. I didn't like her. <laughs> Why? Uh, I don't know. What is it you didn't like about her? <laughs> Felt weird. She wasn't human. Is it the air? That she w- she was no, she wasn't human. She was annoyed, but some other race, I think. Uh, are you s- uh, speaking about the sisters' deception in your missed news? No, because uh, in the new synopsis, it's clearly said that Obi Wan is going to a planet who is doing experiment on a droid with. Uh, human characteristic and the capability to have force power. So we'll probably see oh the creation boy. of Grievous in Sister's Deception. Cool. Okay. Now you got two books to buy. So, you know, he's basically an android who just, like, turned bad. Yeah. Uh, wasn't he made bad? You know when we came up with the idea a couple of years ago of the Jedi, va- of the Sith vampire who would, like, Suck Drink on Jedi blood, blood to get the to get the midichlorians <laughs> and get his powers from that. That's weird, Seth. <laughs> what were you on? <laughs> what were you drinking? How much did you? But I'm not gonna ask. No, it's a Christmas. Were you drinking? It wasn't How? actually my idea. <laughs> Whose was it? Oh, Someone uh, in Quebec. You just yeah. like never met him. Okay, and uh, it's better uh, it stays that yeah. way. <laughs> An ex-staffer from Seth Clan. Oh yeah. boy, Sith vampire. Okay. <laughs> no, that was actually a funny idea. Yeah. But in any case, uh, we've, okay. we've seen some images of the S- Star Wars Insider number 75. There has been three images of the concept of General Grievous. We see Panmi and one of her assistants in uh, one of the Senate capsules. Uh, we've got some technicians working on something inside a ship. If you take a really good look at the pictures, you can actually see that it seems like a door which has been slashed by a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Or melted by a lightsaber but, or something. Um, what about the new Before the Helmet that came out on Thursday? Of course, with Kyle Rowling. Yes. All dressed in blue. Yeah. It looked like Setting a up as General Grievous. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But he has a gun. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I thought it was funny. It looked like something out of Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. 
Kapow, you know, we're going to see a big boom in Kapow in Star Wars episode <laughs> And three. you can see around him, like, cr- um, crew members. Looks like his goons. Yeah. <laughs> With a little, the little mask on his, on his forehead, like, yep. like Kato. Um, we see Aiden Christensen being, uh, taking rest between two shots of the... Duel with Obi Wan, and we have a bigger, like uh, a nice little close-up of his lightsaber, which is just like the one uh, Luke receives in A New Hope. Uh, Nick Miller, George Lucas, and Hayden Christensen are in the corridor of Carson. We also see the corridor of the of the separatist uh, cruiser. The se- uh, Senator Mon Mothma is somewhere in the in in, in an office of a compatriot, probably Bail Organa. We also see Jimmy Smith as Bail Organa. Sitting at his desk, like really, like relaxed and cool, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm Bale. I got a planet. Oh yeah. <laughs> you have Senator Fangzar again, Osama bin Laden. Uh, Saddam, man, that's Saddam. <laughs> Pro- that's okay, Sa- o- okay, Saddam. Saddam in the in the office of Palpatine, so that makes sense, you know. Yeah. Now Palpatine, would that be Bush? Now, we don't want to be too bold here. <laughs> <laughs> now, Obi-Wan has the... <laughs> Obi-Wan has the, the... Damn, lost my thoughts. <laughs> Obi-Wan actually has the, weight, the entire weight of the galaxy on his shoulders uh, in one of the other pictures. Oh, sniff, sniff. Yeah, yeah he's like... He's <laughs> the guy who likes to make, to make it all happen. And uh, we also see Aiden, Ewan, and Ian McDermott being like happy friends together. And we won't spread any rumor... About Ian Because he's a cool guy You know He was in the classic trilogy And all So we gotta respect him for that And that's gonna be Pretty much it for the Star Wars Hyperspace segment we finished a minute early I know I'm really sorry No but we More we, spoilers No but we, we Make <laughs> stuff up <laughs> It's as good as Some of the stuff you said Okay Obi-Wan will use Four lightsaber In episode 3 <laughs> Uh, hold one with his feet? Will he hold one with his feet? <laughs> shut up, shut up. We just set the spoiler off. <laughs> okay. Don't worry, people. Anakin will not have blue skin. <laughs> we promise you. Some people really are going to be... Uh, are going to be wor- worrying about us. We're going mad. Oh, yes. Mad? Going? Mad? Gone. <laughs> there. Past. <laughs> We're doomed. We're doomed. Okay, well, right now we're going to go to our dear friend Kid Fisto with the miscellaneous news. So, enjoy. Master Fisto, trust your insight, we do. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Mix News. I'm going to start with the comics this week. So, um, the, on March 17th, they announced that there was the Episode 3 comic book adaptation. <laughs> and um, it'll be uh, scripted by Miles Lane, um, whom no one seems to have heard of. <laughs> <laughs> and will feature art by Doug um, Wheatley. Um, he did work on Empire's Darklighter arc. And then in they announced that the... Third annual Free Comic Book Day, um, Ju- July 3rd, will have a comic book done by Dark Horse called, and they're in the story, it'll be in the story arc of the Clone Wars Adventures. So that's that. So, Free Comic Book, 
It's worth it. That's I've cool. gone to go get it. <laughs> um, also, the Hasbro has relaunched the Play School line, so you'll be able to see two, this series will have two packs, including Luke Skywalker, R2D2, Princess Leia, and Han Solo, Darth Vader, Nomi, Chewbacca, and C3PO, Padme, Anakin, Yoda, Clone Trooper, Obi Wan, Django. Um, it said it'll be released in the um, same in an updated logo. No, oh, the old stuff will be um, reprinted or re-released mm-hmm. in the updated uh, packaging. So that's cool if you collect that kind of stuff. Um, next is the Toys R Us put out their new flyer for the fourth to the tenth of April, and um, if you purchase above fourteen ninety nine you get a free silver clone trooper. So, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, once the, the, they're, they're packed 32 in a case, the clone trooper silvers. So, bear that. Keep that in mind. I don't know if that's a lot, or is it? I'm not sure. Uh, Sebastian? That's... 32 to a case? That's kind of a lot. That's yeah, a lot? Big case. I'd say it's a lot. Okay. How much are usually in a case? About eight, ten, ten, yeah, like that. Wow, that's a lot. So, um, next, the Republic Commando novelization will be released this October, written by Karen Travis. Um, it's going to be released in conjunction with the video game. So, expected around October, same time it's released. Cool. So, that'll be pretty cool. And also, Jeremy Bullock is releasing a new book called um, a new his autobiography called Flying Solo Tales of the Tales of a Bounty Hunter um, so you'll be able to read about his life and cool stuff um, you can I think you can meet him um, and you can at Jer- you can read about him and his book at his site jeremybullock.com cool cool um, also, the DVD packaging was finally released, and it didn't even look at all like the stuff that we saw last in, in <laughs> last early show. March. Yeah. Yes. So it's totally different. So the other stuff, I guess, is for I don't know what it's, it's for. It was probably submission. It probably was a submission. Submission, or maybe it's the ultimate edition. Who knows? Who knows? Or maybe it's even the European edition. Yeah, maybe. You know? change Why would they have different packaging? No, I don't think so. Because they're European, they're so special. <laughs> Wouldn't you think that we'd be more special than they are? No. Canadians? That's it, we're Canadian. They don't give a crap yeah. about us. Yeah. They, I think they give a crap less about the Europeans. No. It's probably the same. Europeans are going to have their own conventions. We won't. Yeah, because I expect us to go down to the States. That's anyway, like that's a bit of, uh, on another track. Yes. yes. Also, go back on topic, boy. <laughs> yeah, and um, the gold version will be the full screen, and the wide screen will be silver. And they look really cool. I like the Vader side. Yeah. It looks really much like the old VHS versions. The yeah, they look Except that when you turn it, turn them around, instead of like having the other half of Vader's helmet, you got the good old picture of the first uh, Star Wars poster. Yep. And I spoke about the Star Wars reference in Jersey Girl. Punch it, Chewie. And that's, that's it. it. That's it. And that's 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 all. Wow. That that, that was pretty <laughs> short. Concise? <laughs> I'd yes. say concise, not short. Yeah. Okay. So our special Miss News. No, no, no. <laughs> I want the 
No, there, there's some minor well, he, things. He did like a good job. You know, he shortened it down. Yeah. Instead of giving too we much we mention We will mention this one in the uh, event, community update. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a video it. game, but... Le- leave it to me, then. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll forget about it. Yeah. Give that to the dog. Give that to the dog. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, right now, we're actually going to go to our friend, Cheetor84. It's Why? programmed. Yes, it is. Why? Because she has something very special for us. Sorry about that, people. No, no, you're not in. Hello? Hi, Cheetor? Uh-huh. How you doing? Pretty good. Okay, so we're just going to run your new intro. Uh-oh. And uh, we won't be able to hear it. Uh, maybe, maybe. Okay. Just a minute. <laughs> Hello, this is Cheetor84, and you are listening to Star Wars Fun Direct. <laughs> and we're back with Cheetor84. I don't know if you if you heard that very well. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear Did you hear the intro? Uh, I heard it. Very, very faintly. Okay, we'll send it to you back after ad- after the show, so you can listen to it and laugh at what we <laughs> do with your voice extract. <laughs> oh. okay. okay, so, my dear Cheetor, uh-huh. you actually listened to a new fan audio that came out, I think it was this week, Mr. Producer? Yes. You can confirm this. This and Wednesday. This Wednesday? And what's it called? Oh, oh, oh. Here you surprised me, Sebastian. Um, it's the furry conflict. Yeah, the furry conflict. Sorry. <laughs> and it's basically a fan audio based. Mm-hmm. Halfway in the Star Wars universe and halfway in the Star Trek universe. Yeah. Some mixed universe. And it's with. Um, how did you put it so well, my dear? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Let me take uh, my. It, it, it was in your notes. Yep. Yeah. I think it's humanoid morphed animals. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Um, furry. Yeah. Uh, anthropomorphic, whatever. Yeah. Animorphs. Okay, so furries. What's what? What did you like about? Uh, you listened to it. Mm-hmm. So now you're gonna give us a little review about it. Oh, um, well, for one, I just had to give it props for trying to put you know those two big uh, universes together. You know, just of uh, trying that out. You know, I like it. Uh, the furry part. Um, I you know, I like that too. Is just that um, you can't really tell if it's anything to do with furries unless you go to the website because when I listen to it, except for maybe a few stereotypical voices that maybe could fall into the furry part, uh, it seemed very much just like a regular audio drama. Yeah, I didn't I didn't knew about the furries uh, the first. The first time I listened to it, you know, mm-hmm. it just by going to the website that I knew it was uh, furries. Yeah, it looks like a story of uh, that that came right out of uh, Star Fox, you know, for, from the <laughs> Nintendo game. Mhm. But with like Star Wars and Star Trek aspects. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. In the same in the same time, and I like the way that the author actually have had the both universe like mixing up all together. <laughs> Yeah. 
although it was pretty scary, but it could it's something that could actually happen. Yeah, it, it's hard to do a crossover like that. I've only seen maybe two or three, you know, crossovers that could maybe be, maybe it could happen. But a lot of times people just don't know how to uh, work it in well. That's it. Because, you know, it's always easy to, like, picture Seven of Nine wielding a lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> you just, like, can't see a Jedi going against the Borgs. So... <laughs> So, uh, Adder, what did you think? What did you think of the sound quality and uh, the production quality? Uh, the sound quality, it was very, very uh, good. Uh, the first time, though, I couldn't hear the professor, because mostly for his mousy voice, I guess, uh, with being in character. But I had to turn up my um, speakers louder than usual um, for him. But. Uh, And also, uh, production, um, well, I like the voice actors. They, a few of them, you could really tell it was their first time really going from a mic and do, uh, doing something like this. And um, but a lot of them, I could really believe their, uh, the way with their voices. And, um, oh, well, mostly, I think that the, uh, the women did better than the men. Yeah, but yeah, there was a female narrator, I think. If I yeah, remember. I like her. Yeah, and the the casting for for the actual uh, drama was really good. Mm -hmm. uh, Personally, uh, I may be contradicting <laughs> Heather, but I think the the sound quality is excellent. Mm -hmm. I I I don't think I've got to hear something non-professional that 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 good and. Oh yeah, it was way much better than Rise of Nobility thing there. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, that, that's pretty. That, that's pretty good. I'm just kidding. Well, Rise of Nobility. Is, I've done a couple like radio plays four or five, uh, uh, four or five years ago um, with other like Sailor Moon or whatever. So I'm kind of used to the sound qualities and different things. They did a, a audio drama with Sailor Moon. Huh? They did a, a audio drama with Sailor Moon. Yes, I have. Oh my God. <laughs> Wow. No, no, no. You really went sneaking now, didn't you? <laughs> What? <laughs> you went sneaking out around their website, didn't you? <laughs> well, I was like 12 or so when I did it, but, you know. <laughs> but all in all, it's a great production. Yes, yes, I can't wait. I'm actually reading the fan fiction to it, because um, also uh, the transition from the Star Wars to the um, Star Trek um I liked it with the course with the recognizable music, but there were just a couple of times I couldn't really tell unless um, one of the more stereotype voices came in, mm -hmm. like one that was like Australian or one was like a cowboy. If, if you uh, listen to it very good and and like things like that. Well, they still stayed true to the first, like, original Star Trek series. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they had all these little uh, winkling bells in the background, which was pretty funny from time to time. And especially the sound of the captain talking to uh, to the engineer. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Scotty wannabe. Yeah. <laughs> That was hilarious. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So... Well, Do you recommend to uh, our listeners to actually go and take a lesson to the... Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Furry um, conflict? Yeah. Here, of course It's Trek War, the, the furry conflict. Yeah, yeah I think uh, people should at least try it out. People, uh, some people might not like the idea of putting the cartoony furry thing into it because 
a lot of people don't have a good opinion about furries. But um, oh. if you, yeah. That will be for another yeah. show. <laughs> huh? We'll we'll ask the the producer. Uh, we'll, we'll keep the furry. The break. We'll keep the furries idea for another show. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh huh. And uh, we hope you have in the you have a really nice evening with us. Yep. Listening to the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bye. Bye. There you go, people. You should go listen to Trek Wars: The Furry Conflict. Here you go. Look at Brian over there. He's like all kit fist away, you know. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> You're like all relaxed and laid down and pimping. Not okay. even on the comfy couch. <laughs> I know. I'm almost there. Yeah. <laughs> I, if I could get there with the mic, <laughs> I'd do it. <laughs> You'd be on the comfy couch. Oh, we'll have to arrange that eventually. <laughs> so for my part, I really liked it. It's even if I'm not a Trek fan at all, I just find it original the way they mix the universe. So the first step is done in the first episode. They crossed over. Now, let's see how they will do it. Okay. I. Okay. See, Danny sent it to me saying, "Okay, we're going to talk about it this show. Show so you better listen to it." So I said, "Okay." I put it on my iPod. Get get into bed. Put it on. I liked the first little bit, but I, di- I kept having to adjust the volume. Okay. I didn't like that. Okay. But, you know, you can change. that. That's really in, like, that's just, you know, how you mix it. So that can be easily fixed. Um, next, it was the distinction between the voices. I had a hard time telling who was talking in the Star Wars universe. Like, the droid was easy, but the rest, it was like, we're aboard the Imperial now. Uh, I, I guess, but I couldn't. I couldn't really tell, but between the differences. Okay. The Star Trek part I really liked. It was funny. It, it was classic Trek. Yeah. It was just. I didn't like the part that the engineer and the tactical officer was were fighting. Cause that never happened. Come on. <laughs> that on Maybe on Voyager, but it wouldn't happen on like. Yeah, Enterprise. No, but then again, you know. No, because they all know their place. Bra- that's it. And Brandon Bra- Braga and Rick Berman did a really terrible job on Voyager. But we'll come back to that later. <laughs> no, I liked Voyager. Shut up. No, don't stay. No, Voyager was. Voyager is don't. Voyager is the best series of them all. Oh boy, you're gonna trash Trek, aren't you? No, I really love that. Okay, that's what we're gonna get okay, to Trek. Okay, turning back to it. No, we're gonna we're gonna talk with uh, uh, Mark Xavier before the. Uh, we will play the. Uh, we will talk about the the episode before. Uh, okay. It airs. Well, b- okay. Okay, <laughs> I liked it. I I think it, there's a lot of room for improvement, though. Still, it's a good start. Keep going. Work harder. I didn't like the furry part, though. I just think it's weird. I don't get it. Why do you think it's weird? I just don't get why furries have anything to do with it. <laughs> but any, that's just me. They just bring like the nice, cute, cuddly part to it. I don't get that. I'm sorry. I, I don't like pets that much. I'm not into animals. No. So I, I never had a pet. I had a pet goldfish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. And what you cornered it in his, in his little bowl and no, tried to pet it? No, it lived for a long your... time. It was like five years old when I got it, and it lived for another three. Yeah, three years. My <laughs> really like a long lifetime. Eight years for a goldfish. Okay, it lived. Okay, <laughs> that's a long time. Yeah. yeah. Gotta admit, 
How big was it in the end? Like a trout or something? No, it's, it's still <laughs> Come the same on, size. back on topic, back on topic. I actually had like goldfish, was, which was as big as a trout. So in any case, because cage was, it's tank was <laughs> big, right? The what? It's tank was big. Yes, we're gonna go listen to filter and trip like I do, and we'll be right back on Star Wars on direct, the voice of Star yes, Wars fandom. Yes, we're tripping. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs>
Legends Action Figures, the place for Star Wars figures and collectibles in Canada. Visit our website and compare our prices. We've got customers from all around the world and the best service around. Come meet the staff at our Montreal store or visit our website at www.legendsactionfigures.com. All prices in Canadian dollars. At SimpleNet, you will get, at a very reasonable cost, an advertising space for your company, a website built for you by our team of professionals, or quite simply, a space to put your personal site online. The online gamers are not forgotten. We can offer fixed prices of bandwidth, as well as solutions for turnkey pre-configured game servers. Join us at www.simple-net.ca. Hi, this is Steve Sansweet, and you are listening to Star Wars Home Delect. And we're back on Star Wars on Direct with our friends here in the chat right now. We've got 22 people and a little bit more listening to us right now. So it's really an interesting show today, wouldn't you say? And we're back live uh, with our friend Julius Harper, who's also known as Mark Xavier, who's the director, is that is that right, of the Furry Conflict? Yeah, director. Okay. Uh, so... It's like Star Wars versus Star Trek is, a sh- is, is today's main topic. Uh, you obviously like both of those sagas. What's appealing to you about each of them? What's appealing to me? Yes. I would have to say for Star Trek, what first got me into it was the technology. When I was a kid, I liked the phasers and the tricorders and the starships and stuff like that. But then as I started to grow up and get raised, I was actually raised on the next generation... I kind of got more into the whole social commentary and, you know, various types of ways of looking at society outside of it. I like that, you know, the kind of freedom that science fiction provided, especially in Star Trek. And for Star Wars, actually that appeals more to the kid in me, I would have to say, because you have, you know, the adventure, it's got a legendary people, and there's always a clear-cut good versus bad. Whereas in Star Trek, it's a little more complicated than that, and that sometimes can make folks a little uncomfortable. Okay. When you say it's a little bit more technical in Star Trek than in Star Wars. I'm, what do I mean by that? Well, yeah. Basically, there's a lot more emphasis on the technology. In Star Wars, you had the Death Star, you know, and Star Destroyers, and all sorts of things. But no one took time to stop and say, oh, well, hyper-ionization chamber isn't working. No one explained how a lightsaber works. Where in Star Trek, you could actually have an entire episode based around the physics of subspace or something like that, and it's entirely fictional, the whole technobabble aspect. Okay. Uh, how much do you think of an impact each saga had on the sci-fi genre? I would say they both had a huge impact. Star Trek first because it allowed basically a utopian ideal to get into the whole science fiction genre. You could talk about diplomacy in Star Trek there wasn't constantly war going on and then in Star Wars well, there was of course the whole revolution in special effects George Lucas' movie basically set the bar for every science fiction film afterwards and actually even ushered in the Star Trek movie era so they're kind of both interdependent in that way okay 
Uh, we're going to go to the Furry Conflict, which is your audio drama, which you uh, actually released this Wednesday. Right. Uh, good job. It's, I, I think it was really funny to listen at. Can't, okay. can't wait to see the other, the other uh, part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the Trek Wars Furry Conflict? Can you tell us a little, about, a little bit more about the storyline and the website, all of this? Okay. Um, the Furry Conflict is basically a parody slash crossover slash commentary on Star Trek and Star Wars. It started out as, when I was in high school, I was a fan of both genres, and I got the bright idea to make a crossover between the two. But when I went online and checked around the Internet, I'd seen that this had been done in quite a few places, and nowhere particularly well. So I thought to myself, I needed to find a way to make it unique, make it stick out among you know all the other Star Trek and Star Wars type of fanfics out there. So I got the crazy idea to combine it with kind of a cartoon appeal, which really helped out the parody aspect. What had happened was actually earlier that week, a friend of mine introduced me to this whole concept of furries, which at the time I had just thought was just people that drew cartoon characters. As it turned out, there's actually a whole lot more to the whole furry genre beyond that, which has actually caused some problems for the site in recent years. Um, what was the other question? Uh, well, we we were wondering what's going to be the content on the website. Oh, the website has a storyline. Basically, what you listen to on um, the audio drama is chapter one. There are 24 chapters of the story out right now, and it's, that's in book one, which will probably end up being 36 chapters. We try to release a new chapter of the story every couple of weeks, but it doesn't always work that way. It's all based off of a role play with actually a bunch of the people that you see in the chat are cast members. They create a character, and they pick the animal, usually based on the personality of their character. If someone's very aggressive and predatory, so for example, they would be a tiger. But my character, who's actually kind of clever and inexperienced, he's a fox. And basically that's just a tool in order to accentuate the various character elements inside of the story. You also have technical commentaries, message board where people debate the various technical aspects of Star Trek versus Star Wars. Um, and just It's a general hangout for just the fandom base that it's developed over the five years that we've been online. Okay. Uh, how did the idea for Trek Wars audio de- well, audio, the audio drama came around? Like, was it role-playing based or did it really just came up like that one afternoon at school? Kind of kind of a com- combination of both. After we had gotten the story together, we had role-played it out and put it into a story form. We wanted to go farther with it, and, you know, as any, as any fan's dream, we wanted to make a fan film out of it. But since it was all animated, that made it kind of difficult because it was very hard to find an animator. So we ended up falling back onto making an audio drama because we actually had the resources to do that. We had, you know, voice actors, and we had people willing to write and I was willing to put together the script, and I had a mixing program. We actually mixed it on Macromedia Flash, and we just kind of backed into that position, I guess you would say. It wasn't on purpose. Okay, I have a question. Sure. Um, why didn't you use Flash to animate? Because I've done animation at school in Flash, and it doesn't take... Again, I didn't hear you. Um, I, I've used Flash to animate before, uh-huh. and I don't understand why you didn't use that to animate them. Instead of just, you obviously already had Flash. Why don't you use that to animate? Well, myself, personally, I'm not talented enough to animate in Flash using cartoon characters. 
and we didn't have anyone on the site or in our fan base who was actually willing to put the work into animating the story. Okay. Fair enough. Makes sense now, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, the first chapter of the furry conflict audio drama is right is out right now. Uh, the thing that's stepping out about this audio drama is the overall quality, quality and professionalism of the production. You know, you took like really great care in putting the right sounds in the right place. Uh, personally, I really like the uh, the sounds of the captain talking to engineering. The little uh, uh, intercom sound that was really nice. Right. Um, you also took, you know, the time to think about the science aspect, sort of, uh, of merging the two dimensions between Star Wars and Star Trek, which actually makes sense in the Star Trek universe, and in the Star Wars universe, well, it was just a question of time before they actually got a, a mad scientist to discover something that would actually create a time rift or something like that. Right. So... Did you have any professional equipment to work with, professional actor? How did you manage that production? Um, basically, it was a matter of persistence. Since we had a few people willing to do voices, but we didn't have an entire cast, I basically went on an email rampage. Went on to Google, I just looked up audio, um, audio artists and voice artists, and I emailed people individually. I told them about the project. I told them what we were doing. And if they got interested, I sent them the script. And it just so happened that I sent the script to one of the actors, and she really liked it. And so what she did is she marketed to marketed to all of her friends that were actually in the professional, you know, audio drama production. People that actually work on the radio, do voiceovers for television. We got a few professional people on there, and they just brought the entire quality of the production through the roof. And they had home studios and things like that. We didn't do it all at once in one area. It was I sent versions of the script to everybody. Everybody recorded their lines individually. And when you mixed it together, it just came out perfect. Okay. Which would explain why some of the people are actually complaining about the professor's voice being a little bit lower. Uh, maybe that, that particular actor actually had some trouble recording the, the, his sound bite. Yeah. Okay. But... All in all, it's really a good sound, and it's really a good story, and I suggest for everyone to actually go on the website and listen to it. Uh, you have some original music, even. It was composed by Kevin Lau. Yeah. How did you meet, and what was his implication in the project, you know, past and in the future? Are we going to hear some more music? Uh, the story with Kevin Lau was very similar to the story with the voice actors. Over Kevin Lau goes back, actually, a few years before whereas this production was um, only a year old. We had had the idea for an audio drama back when the site was about three years old, and we tried doing it, and we actually put together the first three scenes of the story, but it was really bad. And I contacted Kevin Lau. I think I had found him off of mp3.com. He had his email up there, and so I emailed him, told him about the project. He seemed interested in it. And it just so happened, a couple years later, after everything had died and we had come back, Kevin Lau emails me and says, hey, you guys still working on this? Because, you know, I'd love to help. And it just kind of fell into place. All a question of timing, after all. Say again? It's all a question of timing, after all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you used uh, the humanoid morph animals for the characters. Was it really to bring it like the cuddly, funny, paradical, you know... Uh, aspect to the actual audio drama 
and the more visual aspect to it? Or is there any other reasons? Yes and no. We wanted to bring in the parody part because... Well, I'm sorry, the furry part because it would be easier to call a parody and make fun of. If you notice, some of the characters' names are actually played. For example, Sher Kalsad is the play off of Sher Khan from the Jungle Book cartoon. Okay. Grand Moggy Tarkin, the term Moggy is actually an English name for a cat. Um, my character, Captain Xavier, if you know Patrick Stewart, of course, who plays Professor Xavier in X-Men. Yes. It was kind of a combination of those two. And you'll find a lot of little funny names like that. Instead of Stanisard, you have the same Lissard. Instead of Admiral Zinge, you have Admiral Dink. Sort of goofy things like that. But the whole cartoon aspect was never really meant to become something unto itself. But it kind of grew into that because since it's called the furry conflict, it got associated with the furry fandom. And a bunch of furry folks started coming onto the site and it just kind of grew into that. It was originally just supposed to be there in order to add a little bit more of a more aspect to it. Okay, so it's not only for furry fans, it's also for other fans out there. Yes, it's for, the story was designed for a normal Star Trek fan or a normal Star Wars fan to listen or to read and enjoy. Okay. The, 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 the audio drama is only in, in audio, so people that don't necessarily like the furries will love it. Yeah, that's the thing. You can detach it from the whole furry aspect. It's still in there, but it's very, it's very laid back. You don't hear the various characters, for example, you know, scratching themselves and growling when irritated. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in later chapters of the story, um, Sher Kal said, who's actually, because he's so evil, we're going to be actually taking out the animalistic aspects of him and kind of expanding them. For example, when he's fighting a Jedi in one of the later chapters, You'll hear him roaring or scratching or things like that because he's a lion and that basically, he's a tiger. And that accentuates his aggressiveness. Okay, I have a general furry, furry question. Mm -hmm. I don't understand what's the appeal. What's the appeal? Yes. Um, of furries. I, I don't understand the appeal. It's pretty much something that you have to have a tolerance for before you get into it, I would have to say. Because a lot of people, when they see it, they say, well, what's the furry conflict about? And you always have to give a disclaimer of, well, it's this, it's that, this is the reason that we have it. The appeal for me was, because when I was in high school, I was still watching cartoons while all the other kids were talking about, oh, well, we're too good, we're too big to watch cartoons. I was still very much into them. And so basically, it helps, again, it helps the parody aspect of it. You, It's harder to pass off as a parody if you have human characters because the storyline is so incredibly dramatic. There is a few comical interludes with C420, you know, or the engineer and the captain arguing, but for the most part, the story is very, very serious. So the parody aspect becomes necessary to accentuate if you don't want to get in trouble with Paramount specifically. I'm not worried about Lucasfilm because Lucasfilm has always been very, very kind to their fans, but as far as Paramount goes, if you step on the wrong toes, you know, you're out of there. Of course, that makes sense. Uh, do you write the chapter by chapter, like from the, the role-playing you got? Um, yes, I do. It's a little more complicated than that. Originally, the whole storyline actually for the first book has been acted out. And the story was written 
and then we went back and now we're revising it. So basically, there's a, there's a semi-coherent storyline from beginning to end for the first book, and on occasion, when we need to, we'll role-play parts that are missing or that need to be redone or stuff that we didn't think of before put in there in order to make the story even more complete. So it's kind of a mixture of original idea plus the role-play. Okay. Uh, when can we expect to see the next chapter available? Well, this first production took a year, and that was disappointing. I don't expect the second production to take nearly as long. I would estimate maybe two to three months until we get the next chapter out. That's pretty fast. That's pretty fast. Uh, do you have anything that, anything else you'd like to announce or promote to us? Um, just for those people that are waiting for the 25th chapter of the story, it is indeed in production. I know it's been a while, but it's coming out soon. And, yeah, that's pretty much about it. Okay. Uh, we're going to be actually giving out the uh, website address, uh, which is... Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, www.furryconflict.com. F-U-R-R-Y. C-O-N-F-L-I-C-T.com. There you go. Uh, now we're going to hear a five-minute... No, it's not five, it's the old. Okay, now we're going to hear the entire clip of the uh, furry conflict for our listeners. So uh, maybe we'll actually even listen to the other ones in the future. Who knows? So uh, the first episode is entitled To Pierce the Sky. Yeah. Is it in any relation to the uh, first title for the Star Wars audio drama? For the first title of the Star Wars audio drama? Yeah. You mean the official Star Wars? Yes. Um, I'm not. I'm not familiar with that. Okay. Well, it was a win to shake the stars. Oh no, I've not heard of that. Okay. <laughs> well, it, it's pretty close. <laughs> so next time you can say yes. <laughs> There you go. Well, thank you very much for being with us, mm-hmm. and uh, we hope that we'll be have we'll be having you again on the show. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we for the next episode. For the next episode, we'll have you on the show. Apparently, says the producer. But right now, we're going to go to your uh, furry conflict, the episode entitled "To Pierce the Sky." Thank you very much for being with us. Thank you. Stay on the line. I will. Star Knight Productions presents Trek Wars, The Furry Conflict, Episode 1, To Pierce the Sky, based on Trek Wars, The Furry Conflict, www.furryconflict.com, Chapter 1. It is a gravely dark time for the galaxy. Since their victory over the Rebel Alliance at the Massacre of Endor, the forces of the evil empire have spread like a cancer across the stars. The ruthless advances of the Emperor and his foul Sith Lord allies are quickly cutting down any remaining opposition. Almost every known race, planet, and culture in the galaxy now bows to the will and might of the Empire none daring to revolt for fear of extermination by one of the Emperor's infamous Death Stars. The dying alliance only endures in small and isolated resistance cells, hidden in apparently deserted star systems. But without an established leadership to guide and unite their cause, 
the once renowned rebels have become little more than an occasional annoyance to the emperor and his henchmen. In the midst of these dark times, the hope of the galaxy has fallen into the hands of an imperial defector, a brilliant scientist named Arthur Sunrider. Operating from a secret rebel compound on the remote planet of Sullust, he hopes to use the molten planet's geothermal energy to power a device which could turn the tides of the galactic civil war. One designed to open a gateway to another dimension. Get me a data link with one of the communication satellites. And get those blasted ties off our back! I've got no power on guns one and two. The gyros on three and four are jammed. Then punch the engines up to 100 maglites. Captain, that could blow out the ion turbines. Blow them out then! They punched through our rear deflector screen, sir. I'm reading failures on engines four and six. Switch all remaining batteries to cover our hindsight. And get me that data link now. I have it. What is it, Argus? General Tihar, we weren't able to retrieve any back to supplies from Typhara. We've got a squadron of those new Defender ties on our tail. We're losing shields, and they've no doubt sent back coordinates to the Empire. <laughs> telling them where we are. Sullust base to Borealis. Captain Argus responds. Borealis, we've lost... The Star Destroyers! They're jamming our signal! General, I'm going to set course for... Overage, we're losing atmosphere! Seal off the area. There's nothing we can do for them down there. Alert all hands to get to the escape pods. Borealis, come in. Captain Argus, repeat your last transmission. We're heading for Tenulog. Hopefully we'll... <coughs> we'll be able to divert the Imperials away from Sullus long enough for you to get everyone out of there. There's no hope for us, General. May the Force be with you. Borealis, out. C-420, how much time do we have? Uh, sir, the Imperials who dropped out of hyperspace just beyond the edge of the system. I'm afraid it's quite unlikely they will fail to discover our presence here. Oh my, a double negative. Perhaps there is a malfunction. I should be shut down until after this is all over with, as to prevent any potential risk. How much time, C-420? Uh, my apologies, sir. B by my best estimates, we will have three hours at the most. I'm going to have a word with Professor Sunrider. Colonel Reekin, begin preparations to evacuate the base. Captain's Log, Mark Shamus Xavier of USS Felix, Stardate 49126.4. After a brief shore leave, Starbase 211 has dispatched us to a relatively unexplored region of space called the Hayen Corridor. I had to call in a lot of favors, and Admiral Rumsfeld's not happy about it, I'm sure. <laughs> but this deep space assignment should go a long way to getting him and the rest of the Hawks back at Starfleet off of our back. 
The Felix wasn't designed for cargo transport or trade inspections. She was born and bred to operate on the frontier. The crew's happy enough to be sure, but we've barely just arrived in this sector and already they've turned me on to this idea of theirs to test out the new transport drive system we got installed at 211. Well, it isn't part of our mission profile, but I think tinkering with some new technology will be a welcome change from making star maps or cataloging nebulae. If all goes according to plan, our impromptu test run will take us on a direct... Computer, pause. Come in. Oh, Elizabeth, what are you doing here? I thought you were still on duty. Oh, I'm on a little break. I don't have another appointment for 15 minutes, so I decided to make a visit. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm, here's a pleasant surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Xavier to the bridge. Can it wait? I'm on my way. Yes, Lana. I've got transwarp power online, and all systems read nominal, but... But... I need... I need access to deflector control and the lateral sensor array. There are some modifications I need to make, so we don't crash into a rogue asteroid and scatter our debris halfway across the quadrant once we engage. Right. Normally, I wouldn't disturb you over something like this, but... And who gives a crap about your stupid engine anyway? Ah, I uh, see your point. Kaja. Oh, yes, Captain? Kaja, what's going on? I was attempting to start some tests on my new multi-module subspace tracking system for our torpedoes. But Lieutenant Tigris up there just informed me that she's going to shut down the entire bloody sensor array. Did you tell him that you need the sensor array today? No. Kaja, how long are these tests of yours going to take? No more than an hour, sir. And did you tell Lana that you need the sensor array today? You've got 40 minutes, Kaja. Lana, I trust there's something else you could find to do during that time? I'll find something, sir. Have you found anything? Not as yet, milady. The outer planets read clear no active energy blooms. But the radiation dust off by the solar mass becomes more of an issue as we draw closer to the core worlds. It will take more time. I'm running grid 16-4-B. 200 clicks distance. Get active scanners on that grid now. Where is it? It's open space, Director. Wait, a small metallic object. It's a comm set, milady. Iron cannons now. Disable it. It may have a self-destruct. the tractors and bring it aboard. Have its data core downloaded and analyzed. Once we determine what planet it transmits to, set a course. What's the Imperial Fleet status? I just spoke with C420 a while ago. It doesn't look good. And the evacuation? No, I will not pick that up. I'm a protocol joint, not a lifting robot. 
We've got all non-essential personnel and equipment. Well, most of it anyway. On the transfer. I heard that. I don't appreciate being referred to as equipment. You know. We can start launching at your command. Attention. This, this is, is General Tustain Tahar. All of that ships are clear to leave the system on the far side of the planet. We will reconvene at the predetermined meeting place. I repeat, all of that ships are clear to leave. YT-705, do not launch yet. I've got men on the way with equipment. Hold until they arrive. All right, everybody, let's go, let's go. If it's bolted down, leave it. Well, you don't have to tell me twice. Well... You'd better catch that transport and get yourself out of this hellhole. I'm staying. No good officer abandons his leader in a time of a crisis. Unless you're intent on becoming the best dead officer in history, I suggest you catch that ride out of here. No. If the Imperials arrive here before the experiment is completed, you're going to need some help getting these chipheads off this Reich alive. You and I both know the lives of Professor Sunrider and his men are more important than any one of us. Fine. Follow me. Waken. We were expecting your arrival. Arthur, kindly shut up. Are we ready? Yes. Yes, sir. My apologies. We're ready. Modifications to the deflector and sensor array are completed, Captain. I have transwarp drive at your command. Systems read clear to emit the Cochrane pulse. Good then. All hands, this is the Captain. We're ready to begin our test of the new transwarp drive system. Prepare for engagement. Ensign Felstrom, once we're ready, set a course and engage at warp 14. Aye, sir. We've got less than no time to test this equipment and destroy it. According to the calculations, something's wrong. It's overloading. Shut it down. I can't. The controls are fused. Cut the power then. Too late. Captain, the Cogburn Pulse is destabilizing. This doesn't make any sense, sir. It looks like another particle beam is intersecting with our own. Sir, the other particle beam is resonating with the magnetic constrictors on our antimatter pods. We are losing containment. Shut it off. Hi, sir. Antimatter pod containment returning to normal. But the other particle beam hasn't stopped. It's destabilizing the local subspace layer. We're entering a gravimetric shear. Hold on. We need to get out of here. This energy from this reaction is going to tear the thermal plant apart and likely take half of this mountain with it. You wanted it destroyed. We'll get that and a whole lot more if we don't leave now. All right, everyone. Time to go. Leave it. What do you got? Lead in your boots? Move it. 
It's basalt. Keep moving. What are you doing here? The transport left without me, sir. They said something about having too much junk aboard already. What do they mean by Never mind that. C420, follow us. Where's the ship? Over there. Careful! Oh, thank heavens. I just thought I saw my entire memory record flash before my eyes. Just get in. What's the problem? The repulsor lifts won't engage. Then just kick in the ion engines. We could shear off the bottom half of the ship. Do you have a better idea? Hold on to something. Are you sure this is safe? Orbital Salus. Relatic stretching direction of We've located a rebel compound on the surface. I've also received word that a Death Star has arrived on the edge of the system. They should be in range of the planet within 40 minutes. Excellent, Admiral Zink. I want you to scan the planet for life readings and then we. Admiral, I'm picking up a power surge from the surface of the planet. It could be some sort of surface-to-orbit weapon. I'm not sure. Incoming! Reflector shoots to double front immediately. They missed. Well, they won't get another chance. Power up our heavy batteries and prepare to execute command-based... A thousand apologies for interrupting, Director, but... I do not think we were the intended target. What? The energy bolts are continuing on towards the edge of the system. It appears to be on an intercept course with the approaching Death Star. Get the station's commander on hyperwave now! Tell him to change his course! What did they say? I'm not sure, my lord. Sir, I have an unidentified incoming on scopes. Bring the station's shields up to full. Can you get any further reading on it? Negative. Projecting impact in three seconds. Two. One. <clears throat> Report. There's a rift forming just above the subspace plane. How? I I'm not sure. It, it, it just... Captain, something is emerging. What? Put it on the viewer. Continued. For more of the furry conflict, visit www.furryconflict.com.
com. And we are back to Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. On the internet. On the internet, that's right. Um, okay, I just actually uh, posted a nice little link into the uh, the uh, chat right now. Uh, I'm going to say it because it's a really interesting website called Merzo.net. Stop telling me to go faster. I'm and not going to go fucking ta- faster. It, talks about it can, gives you these um, sketches of all the sizes of different spaceships in science fiction. Side side by side, and it's really cool. It's really fun, and you can see it at different sizes and blah blah blah. A, you can even see the size scales. of the moon. The yeah. actual reason for which I'm giving you this website is because, in at the end of the furry conflict, you have the Death Star coming in onto like one of the Enterprise ships or one of whichever small ships from st- from Star Trek. Basically, the Death Star could crush that ship just by ramming, ramming into it. Ramming into it. It's just like like the. Death Star's deflector dish, if you want to cross over the terms, um, would pulverize it. Yeah, it, I think that's so cool. But anyway, it is it is pretty cool. Now on to the main subject. On to the main subject. Star Wars versus Star Trek. Yes. What do you have to say, Sam? I have to say that I will shut up because I don't know anything about Star Wars. I saw you don't know anything about Star Wars. Uh, Star Trek. Sorry. Okay. I saw one out of the ten movies. Was that Nemesis you came to see? No, no, no. I saw the fourth one on TV. The The Voyage Homo. One of the best best ones. And I saw on all the 600 episodes of Star Trek, all all season, all series uh, put together, I saw ten episodes. Ugh. That's about it. That's disgusting. (laughs) That is truly revolting. He's a website administrator for a Star Wars website. A producer of a Star Wars online show. How the hell do you want him to have time to listen to, to watch a Star Wars, a Star Trek? Uh, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't always a, a, a webmaster, you know. Okay, I guess. I guess. But no, you were, I, when, I, when I, you I, were not a, a webmaster, you were a cart runner. So you didn't have time well, because I, you were rolling on your cart at that time. A cart, uh, what? Uh, cart driver. Yeah, cart yeah, driver. driver. Sorry. You said roller? Runner. Runner. Roller. What the <laughs> heck is that? <laughs> well, you run right alongside the yeah, damn yeah. thing, you no, know. No. Different sport, man. Different sport. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Go, go, Seb. So, Star Wars versus Star Trek. Well, basically, you know, Star Trek actually came up before Star Wars. And they had those neat little special spaceships and weird creatures appearing out of nowhere and giving weird effects on people walking like barefoot on some grass on some planets. Lots and lots of women. Yes, but he was unable to speak a phrase with more than two words. And you know what? He died on every, like, almost every, every single episode. And the doctor yeah, he's always like had to come up with new ways of saying, Jim, he's dead. <laughs> or, or or saying to him, and the guy in the red shirt, that's it. Come, that guy's Zulu? dead. No, 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 just, no, no, no. No, no, no. No, it's, it's always like, it's, hey, it's a running gag. That's it. Uh, we're all going to stay main cast and crew over here behind the big rock. Sanchez, you go check it out. <laughs> okay. Go say hi to the new alien life form with the big teeth and the, like, tentacles and all those hacks, <laughs> you know. Watch out, though. It might be dangerous. Wa- watch out. Stays on stun, though. That's it. You don't want to hurt it. And basically, the red shirts always got killed. Okay. And the, the shirts were red because you couldn't see the blood. 
you know, nice little way to censor the, the, the blood part of Star Trek. So in any case, um, then Star Wars came along a little bit after the uh, animated series of Star Trek kicked in. And uh, we had a revolution of special effect happening in the uh, cinema world. It was incredible. Yay. You know, we had blue screen and all. And uh, all the fans of Star Wars really got together around that around 1977 and realized that, hey, we now have a reason, which is good, to go against those people who dress with, like, Spock ears. Spock ears and weird... Weirdos. That's it, you know, Trekkies. So, they decided, you know, we're going to try and do something for the next couple of few years until 1983 where Return Jedi came out and everyone was expecting that these were going to be the last Star Wars... Return of the Jedi was going to be the last Star Wars movie. So, the hype kind of died down and it all sort of... Yeah. When dead are, I'd say just like in the really bottom of the wave. I I think it's it's the dark moments of Star Trek or Star Wars fans. Yes, the extremely dark moment of Star Wars fans. Yeah, all you had was the West End. Games. That's it. While meanwhile, all the Star Trek fans back That's from the sixties were like still getting together. No, no, no. Because they they, they they started the first few conventions out there where well, they could in the nineteen seventies. Yeah, where they could actually meet the cast and crews. They had no job. That's it. That's okay. Too loud. <laughs> <laughs> and and then out of the, out of the blue, out of nowhere, came Captain Picard. Uh, no, 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 no. The first it was the motion picture. Yeah. Okay. The first the motion picture. after Star Wars movie, the movie came out, they said, "Oh, you can put science fiction on a movie. You make money. Okay, let's make one." In so they made one. It was really bad. Yeah. No, it was 1978. 1977. Really? Same yeah. year? Okay. I don't know the dates. 77? Uh, no. 79, sorry. 70, 1979. Yeah, after. Yeah. And um, Two years after. And it was really bad because they just took an episode and made it two Into hours long. Well, isn't that what all Star Trek movies are? Yeah, but you don't take a one-hour episode and just stretch it out and put, like, filler crap in it. <laughs> well, that's, that's, like, you see Spock, he's in little jetpacks who going for ten minutes down. It's, God, I want it to. You know, that's what they did with almost all of the, uh, no. odd number movies. No, not, uh, Generations was good. Maybe trying Really? How I sick were you when you watched it? I've seen it a few times, and I've enjoyed it all the time. <laughs> Generations is one of the good ones. It, br- it kind okay, of breaks let's just, it. Let's, just say, let's just say that it actually pans in the balance for Nemesis. No, Nemesis wasn't that. Uh, Nemesis was really bad, and it's not an odd number No, movie. Nemesis wasn't that bad. It wasn't great, but it wasn't... You know bad. what really missed in, in Nemesis? Okay, we're going all over the place. Let's go back to... The head of, the head of data bouncing back on the shield of the Enterprise. Yeah, sure, the that'd be funny. That would have been really good. In any case, uh, so 1987... We're jumping back a, a little bit, a little bit forward in time. 1987, we have uh, the Star Trek: The Next Generation who comes in with dear friends, of course, uh, Patrick Stewart Picard as Jean-Luc Picard with the Br- uh, French captain with the British accent. Yes, his number one, William Riker, Ry- Riker, and uh, of course the lovely Marina Sirtis as uh, the psychiatrist Troy. Yes. And Data, and Worf, yeah, and Jordy, and the curse of that series will weaken 
as Ensign Wesley Crusher, which sure. wasn't really an Ensign at first. Just no, became he was, an ensign. Um, he was just the son acting. of yeah. He was acting. You call that acting? No, 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 no. Okay. no he was a- no. It, what, that was his rank. What Jake acting, Lloyd? What Jake Lloyd? Wait, 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 wait. That was his rank. Wait, wait, wait. Wait a second. Wait a second. He didn't act. I'm not saying. He, whoa. What, I wasn't saying wait he was a second. Acting. Sorry, wait everybody. Second. I think we got a Star Trek show right now. <laughs> no, no, that's. I'm going. I'm going on Star Wars argument here. What Jake Lloyd did <laughs> in Star Wars episode w- in episode one, that was trying to act. Will Whedon wasn't even near that. <laughs> I'm not saying that he was trying to act. I'm just saying that he was acting Ensign. That's it. And, you know, during these times, we had a couple of few books that came out for Star Wars. Uh, we had, of course, the couple of few uh, Star Wars role-playing game from uh, West End West End games. games that I came out. I was growing up, very important. I was watching Star Trek. That's it. Your mother was forcing you, tying you down to a chair. Not quite. Not quite? You were enjoying it? It was okay. Okay. Uh, then, of course... Just before the next generation ended, they decided to start another series to actually keep on. Deep Dish Nine. Deep Dish Nine. That's it. The one that uh, actually is far, far away, but doesn't do much except like being taken over, and they can't. They take it that over again. One the, that's one of the best shows. No, it's not. Yes, it is. They no, never go not. anywhere. It's like that's the anti-Star Trek. It's great, and everything and comes. And the only to them. ship they have looks like a transformer. The it's Defiant. Like the Defiant looks like a transformer. It's an awesome ship. It's a tough little ship. The awesome ship was Voyager, from '95 to 2001. I love Voyager. That was like the best Star Trek series ever. Why? Well, not best one because it was the best writing, but not the best acting. No, no, it was it was like really the best series because it wasn't about the freaking Enterprise, I, and I, it wasn't with a freaking like male captain. We finally had like Kate Mulgrew as Captain Janeway doing a terif- terif- terrific job, you know. Uh, not of acting, let's just get that straight. She did an okay job. She did an okay job as acting, but we've seen worse actors in that universe. So, you know, she was still good. And, of course, the lovely Borg. Can't, what, what's the big deal? Seven of nine. Okay, sure. You know, a woman wearing spandex is always a good argument for getting, like, more watchers. Watch Enterprise. Yes. Okay. On to Enterprise. The hot and cold series. Jalene Blalock. I have to say, I liked the first season. The second season was abysmal. And it's just going down from there. I know I liked the third season so far. I don't know. I haven't I watched it. I, I enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, you, got to go, you got to go into the Enterprise J. Oh. Yeah. In the future. It was cool. Okay. I yeah, like the see, future guy. See, Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, they're going way too much with the temporal... Rifting time I like effect that thing. I, I like that one they're, I don't know I like They're the overusing it I like time travel In Star Trek Yeah But in any case You know Why don't we have Like time travel In Star Wars Well I had that idea As a role playing Adventure Last year But we never Took it anywhere Yeah It just like Was left there On the table Yeah So now you gotta Go back in time And risk I don't have time for it Oh I see Make time um, Over the summer, maybe. <laughs> what you could do is actually, um, if we if we take time like, just to listen at, we've seen it's thirteen minutes left. <laughs> we got the producer, you know, signaling us over here. That's really Plus cool. Nathan. Plus Nathan. Oh, uh, Nathan. Yep. Oh. Uh, uh, the mighty oak. Yep. 
Big Mo. <laughs> yes. But how long is this rumble? You guys make me glad that I don't watch Star Trek. But Why? Ju- just tr- try to compare the two. That's the that's yeah, the that's point like, of well, the show. You know, okay, okay Star Wars versus them Star Wars versus Star Trek. Let's take a look at this ship first with the the, w- the website I actually sent to everyone in the chat a little bit earlier. If you take a look at the chat uh, at the ships, you know, everything in Star Wars is bigger, is like dirtier, uh, except almost on the imperial side on the, on the imperial side of things where everything has to be clean and neat. Uh, the Starfleet is is always clean and neat. They get their ship destroyed, and one week later, it's all fixed. And you know, that's the story of Voyager, though. Yeah, well, even Enterprise never really had too much trouble with no. repairs. Well, none of them really had any problems. No, that's that's why that's why they are they were up to Enterprise J at one point, <laughs> because they just like give letter letter outs, you know. Uh, but. If you take a look at the basic plot story, you know, it's still always the story of one of those guys coming up as a lower man and becoming a bigger man in the end. Like we had Kirk starting up as a captain, going all the way up to an admiral. He went back down. And he went back down. But then he went back up again. I don't remember that part. But then he died. (laughs) Oh yeah, he dies. You know? So it didn't last too long. Of course, uh, what happened to Picard? Picard's still a captain. He's still a captain yet. Cisco's still a captain. Ca- uh, he's dead. Cisco's dead. Cisco's in, like oh, he okay. got he got sent back to the Founders at the end of T- DS9. Yeah. And Janeway's an admiral. Yes, Nemesis. Yeah, no, that's I know Janeway's an admiral. But that's not the that's not the point it's because Big Mo sent me something. Of course, uh, yeah, we were talking about uh, Star Wars time travel. Apparently, it, it happened twice: once in Star Wars Tales and once in the Tales from Mos Eisley. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Nathan. Our own little encyclopedia. Uh, if we go back at what we said in the French show, because we were we were Danny's trying to yeah. wrangle us in. Yeah, because Maras, Maras, you're, you're going way out of bounds, you know. Quickly, quickly, Maras, Maras. But just compare that Star Trek is more science and Star Wars more fantasy. Go on that topic. Okay, Go well, now. actually, Star Wars is it's science true. fantasy, not science fiction, and Star Trek is science fiction. Why? Because Star Trek was actually taken out of facts like a couple of years ago and imagining a future for the humankind. Where Star Wars is like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away and deals with... Unreal. That's it. It deals with tons of extraterrestrial life and with lightsabers. Also because like I watched an Enterprise episode last week and they go back to 2004 in Detroit. So, ah. Okay. Stop with the time relevant. It's, it's awesome. In any case, the uh, the Star Wars aspect of things, you know, in terms of science, back in 1977 when they introduced the Tie Fighter, the twin ion engine, nobody ever thought about making an engine out of that would actually throw out ions. And what are we looking at right now at NASA is actually ion uh, engines for future intergalactic uh, spacecraft. So we're getting there. Slowly but surely, we're not looking at antimatter so far uh, from the uh, fr- from the, the Star Trek series. Some people in Australia actually managed to almost uh, create a dark uh, a black hole. So unheard. That's not a good idea. Stop now. That's it. Stop now. You know, it's like you gotta stop those guys. Um, 
what else can we say about stuff? You know, the science fantasy genre uh, has really developed itself, where the science fiction genre is still basically what you can point at is as Star Trek, you know. And when you take a comparison in the, in the two fan base of Star Wars and Star Trek, you have Star Trek, all the Klingons putting on makeup, going out there fighting with Butler, with our, which are like semi-circular blades. And when you take a look at the Star Wars, you have the Jedis, the Imperial, the 501st, and all those guys. But, you know, they're just not as much out there as the Klingon used to be out there. We still there. There still are some Klingons are there out there. They were the first one to uh, you know start up with the conventions where you could actually meet your actors and ask Scotty why in that or this episode he took this or that actions. And he doesn't know any better than you do. You probably know more. That's it. You know, you can just explain it by magic, of course. But that's what it is. Uh, the Star Wars fandom is. Growing nowadays because of the pre- of the prequels, uh, everyone is expecting uh, the Star Wars Episode Three release. Of course, it's getting you know the hype is getting closer bigger and, and bigger, closer, and then it's going to die. Is it going to die again? That's I, but that would be sad. I but I think for um, Star Trek, I think it needs a period of death to rebo- for a rebirth. Twenty years of like constant stuff. That's pretty hardcore. Indeed, it is. Um, if we take a look at what what's happening in the Star Trek fandom right nowadays, uh, they've turned their Star Trek conventions and science fiction conventions and fantasy conventions. And one of the best examples I can think of right now, on the top of my head, is Toronto Trek. Toronto Trek, out of the blue, right there. They already got guest got guest for this year, but they're nowhere near Star Trek guests. So, what happened? Well, we went to SFX, and there was... There was Marina Sirtis there. Yes, and Ethan... Ethan Phillips, Phillips, who played uh, in Voyager. Voyager. Uh, You know, you have Galaxy Quest. How long is this freaking... Tell me, how long? Uh, I think we have to stop now. I just just want to say, do, do you guys have enough stuff to continue after the interview? Sure. Well, the secondary subject is going to be like a big subject. No, no, you know, you got the interview. Yeah. But after the interview, you have enough stuff to continue? Most probably. But I'm going to be going on the the subject of uh, Star Wars after that. After that? Oh, yeah. I'm not coming back to that subject. Okay. <laughs> it's so been we'll be ca- talking to Nathan and uh, maybe uh, people in the chat if you want uh, us to come back to uh, Star Wars vs. Star Trek as a secondary subject uh, on an upcoming show. There you go. Just tell us. And, uh, At the end, I think, in closing, you can't really compare the two because they're so different. Yeah. I really I enjoy them both for different reasons. Yeah. We need more time, but we don't have more time. So, so we'll call Nathan. Ha ha ha. We'll call Nathan and, uh, for a quick comment. And after that, we go uh, with the director of Star Wars. Okay, and here we go live Sorry again. everybody. <laughs> 
Hey, Nathan. Hey, guys. How's it going? Very well. We're just going to run your intro now. Okay. And we're back with none other than Nathan Butler on the show. Big Mo, how you doing? I am doing good. I'm doing pretty well tonight. How about yourself? It's we're pretty... It's hell in studio, I think. I think it's painful <laughs> in studio right now. Save us. <laughs> so. Okay. Star Wars versus Star Trek. Okay. Um, Star Wars versus Star Trek as in general has always bugged me not 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 the comparisons back and forth or anything like that but the fact that this is what it all comes down to when it comes to the debates and everything there's so many i mean take andromeda andromeda was meant to be a future star trek until uh i guess it was it was major barrett roddenberry who decided to retool it whenever they weren't going to use it for star trek and actually get it out there again to get her husband's vision out there that was meant to be a future trek and yet you don't hear a lot about the comparisons back and forth when there's it's fairly obvious how it was meant to be. You've got... Uh, it's just, it seems as though people are comparing Trek and Star Wars because they're the two most visible sci-fi franchises. But really, it's... To me, it's always been something like comparing apples and oranges. I mean, if you're going to compare the the, fantas- the space opera-type Star Wars story a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, let's focus on the mysticism more than the technology versus Star Trek, which is supposed to be this utopian or semi-utopian future... I'm dealing with social issues and whatnot as sort of an allegorical tale. But if you're going to do that, you might as well compare, like, Chips, the old <laughs> sitcom slash drama on, uh, you know, ages ago with the two dudes running around on the motorcycles with, I don't know, Training Day with Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke because, hey, they're both set in California and they're both about police, you know? Yeah. There's got to be some other thread to it. There's got to be something else to make the comparison valid. I mean, I see all these debates, well, this ship could take out this ship because this technology is so much different. Phasers and lasers and all this stuff and lasers. Are, Shut up! <laughs> you know? Um, they're, they're, they're fantasy worlds. They're meant to be seen uh, in their own light. There's not much that could be crossed over. My, I mean, you can compare the legacies of them. You can yeah. compare the way the fans act, but comparing the two universes it's never really made sense to me when there are so many other valid mm-hmm. theories to compare. I mean, compare Deep Space Nine, that that where Paramount ripped off a bunch of the bits and pieces from the original B-5 pilot script that was pitched to him, and Babylon 5. Those, you can see the comparisons, but Star Wars and Star Trek, even at the, even at the premise, George Lucas, I don't think, has ever really said Star Wars is meant to be science fiction. He's always said it's meant to be like a, a fun fantasy serial mm-hmm. that he's set in space, you know? I, I, I don't see why... There's this fascination always with putting those two, just those two, together, as opposed to either a broader picture or comparing them to something different. Yeah. What do you think uh, was the... Uh, why there's this sort of war began between the two fan groups? Well, I think it's because, I mean, I mean we, still, we still see the same thing today with yeah. fan communities and the bickering back and forth. I think... Fans need something to bitch about when it comes to something about their fa- their their chosen genre. I mean, if you have people doing, I mean, I'm sure that in the furry fan community there are people sniping back and forth about their favorite furry drawing styles, or no, you can't combine this type of personality trait with this type of mm-hmm. uh, of animal, and so on and so forth. When you get passionate about something. Um, you, there's a tendency to get overly passionate and put deflector shields up, so to speak, and make sure that nothing can encroach on that. And 
if Star Wars, whenever it came out, starts taking away from some of the popularity or some of the uh, uh, the media attention from Star Trek, then you know, oh, oh, we can't have that. You know, it's sort of that that feeling. It's sort of I, I would imagine that's where the rivalry comes from. It's not so much a hatred, though. Some people have taken it way to, <laughs> like to like Nazi Germany proportions with hating mm-hmm. each other, which is just the most the, the the saddest thing that fandom can degenerate into. Mm-hmm. But people take it to extremes because they're very protective of it. Yeah. They, fans basically see themselves as caretakers of it. They, just just like fans get mad at Lucas because they didn't like something with Phantom Menace, or fans of Trek get mad at uh, the people behind Star Trek now because they're not in the same vein necessarily as Roddenberry's original vision. You know, mm-hmm. it, there, there's a protectiveness about it just because we care about it so much. But it gets taken to extremes, and that's where your conflict comes in. At least in uh, in my experience. Well, thanks, Nathan. We're out of time, unfortunately. Yep, interview time, right? Yeah, but uh, we will uh, have probably another secondary subject sometimes in the future. So, cool. if you have uh, other good comments like that, uh, me good comments? Never, never. never. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever have any bad comments like that, will be our, it will be our pleasure to hear them. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. And of course, people, we will revisit the wonderful subject of Star Wars versus Star Trek. Maybe, as Gojira said, as something versus lightsaber versus the tricorders. Who knows? Anything. In an open subject or something, you know. Yep. See, keep those ideas for open subjects. Only ask, you say something. That's it. When we have the time to take them. See? That's a good idea. Know when we are out of time. So So right now, we're going to go to a short musical break. We're going to listen to Limb Biscuit Rearrange, and we'll be right back on Star Wars on Direct.
Legends Action Figures, the place for Star Wars figures and collectibles in Canada. Visit our website and compare our prices. We've got customers from all around the world and the best service around. Come meet the staff at our Montreal store or visit our website at www.legendsactionfigures.com. All prices in Canadian dollars. At SimpleNet, you will get, at a very reasonable cost, an advertising space for your company, a website built for you by our team of professionals, or quite simply, a space to put your personal site online. The online gamers are not forgotten. We can offer fixed prices of bandwidth, as well as solutions for turnkey pre-configured game servers. Join us at www.simple-net.ca. Hi, this is Michael Sheard, Admiral Ozzel from The Empire Strikes Back. And you are listening to Star Wars On Direct. And welcome back to Star Wars On Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going into our secondary subject, which is the wonderful uh, fan film documentary uh, slash having a really good time at night uh, called Star Wars and we're here with the the actual producer of that uh, incredible documentary Dennis Frizwara how are you doing my good sir I'm doing very good very very good great so uh, you're located in California right yeah I live in uh, sunny Burbank California Oh, that's nice for you. <laughs> uh, I, I used to live, I'm from Michigan, so I, I, I feel your pain when it comes to winter. Okay. Well, actually, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you come from? And, you know, how did you become such a big Star Wars fan? Um, I guess the long, I mean, the short end of the long of it is, I mean, I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Um, you know, and my family moved to the suburbs where there's really nothing to do, especially in the wintertime, but to see movies. And I, I was a big movie nut. And I think, I mean, it's, it's just probably the basic tale that everybody has. I mean, I, you know, I was, I think, eight or nine when Star Wars came out in 77. And, you know, to me, that was, when we saw that movie, it was like the greatest movie ever made. And you have to remember back then, when a movie came out, there was no DVDs, there were no VCRs. It was just a movie. And, you know, once the movie was gone, it was gone forever. And so, I mean, you know, every time they would have a re-release or something, you know, the same friends, we'd always get along, you know, get together and see it. And, you know, Star Wars got me involved in wanting to make movies and wanting to just be involved in the whole process of making movies. And I went to college um, in Detroit. And once I graduated, um, I, wor- I went to college full-time, and I also worked full-time at a movie theater. I was a projectionist. Oh, okay. Um, you know, which helped tremendously in you know building you know how to make a movie after you see it a thousand times. Um, what um, did you graduate in? Um, I graduated in '94. No, what? Um, oh, oh, oh in, um, in I had I got a Bachelor of the Arts. Okay. Which was and you know which was um, the major was film production. Okay. Yeah, and um, I finally uh, you know packed my things up and moved out to Los Angeles to try to see what I can do out here, and then you know I did everything from. Being a production assistant to being a, a assistant director, and I became an editor for a while. And then while I was editing, um, you know, the digital video technology came out, and I was like, hey, you know what? I can make a movie now. 
anybody can make it now. And that's when Star, you know, I had a list of movies I wanted to do, and at the time, nobody did a doc, nobody had a movie about Star Wars fans. And being a big Star Wars fan, I thought this is the thing I should be doing. Okay. Well, how long have you been a, for a, a Star Wars fan? Like for ever since 1977, or ever ever since 77. I was a Star Wars fan even in the late 80s when nobody cared about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so you rem you remember Splinter of the Mind's Eye? Oh, I'm, I yeah, I still have my paperback of Splinter of the Mind's Eye and Han Solo's Revenge. I remember reading Splinter of the Eye's Mind, thinking that that was going to be Empire Strikes Back. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> okay. You know, and then when, you know, Empire Strikes Back, you might went, oh, well, there maybe Splinter Mind's Eye is going to be Jedi, or, I mean, you know, I, yeah, I've, I've been a fan ever since then. I think when the Zahn books came out, then, like, it just catapulted all over again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Timothy Zahn was, like, the biggest help the Star Wars fandom could, could hope for. Yeah, absolutely. We should give him a prize. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. He really catapulted it back to where, you know, where it is now, almost. Okay, as we said, you're the producer of a documentary called Starwoids. So, what is this documentary all about? First of all, what is a Starwoids? Um, well, a Starwoid is, um, the, I mean, a Starwoid is, in the very beginning of the movie, it gives you kind of like a Webster's definition of what a Starwoid is. But um, it's a Star Wars fan is, is a Starwoid, per se, is somebody who loves Star Wars and the world that Star Wars has created, be it... You know, they love it by collecting, they love it by just seeing the movies, they love it by how some of the mythology of it, you know, works within their life. Um, you know, that's, that's how, that's basically the bottom line of what a Starwoid is. Okay. Where did the idea for Starwoids came from? Um, the, the idea came about, um, again, I, I was an editor, I was editing out here in L.A., I was editing music videos and commercials and stuff. And I wanted, you know, after years of editing other people's work, I was like, you know what, I should try to make my own movie and edit my own movie. Um, but making movies are so expensive. But what happened is, you know, digital video came out right, like, around 96, 97. And I said, wow, now I have the opportunity to make a movie. And I had, made a, had a list of documentaries and features I wanted to do. And out of all of them, I said, you know what, don't, I mean, at least at the time, I was like, nobody has made a movie about Star Wars fans. And I think the fact of just the fandom of the way Star Wars fans are is a very, you know, interesting, I know, storyline. And living in Los Angeles and being a fan myself, I went, I know damn well there's going to be a line for episode one whenever that happens. Did I know that it would, they would stay in a line for six weeks? No. But um, I knew that that would be a good hook for the story to follow that story along with other vignettes of other Star Wars fans doing, you know, loving the movies, you know, like everybody does. And, oh. you know, just, and then started shooting. I mean, it took two years to shoot. Yeah. As we, as we actually saw, we can actually see throughout the documentary. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did you have any legal issues to get through with Lucasfilm uh, when you decided to make this documentary happen? Um, you know, I, I didn't. Um, and the reason because of that was... One, a friend of mine, well, at the time he was just an associate, but I mean, he, you know, we become friends, is a, a guy named Roger Nygaard did Trekkies. If you ever heard of that movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. yes. And what happened was um, he did Trekkies, and I called him, and I said, look, you know, I know you did the Star Trek movie. I'm doing the Star Wars movie. Is there anything i got to look out for? And he basically told me, like, you know, I'm not going to be able to use music. I can't use clips. And... You know, I can't use photos, and I was just like, at the t and at that point, I said, "Wow, this is going to be almost impossible to do." 
But I felt at the same time like, well, the movie's really not about Star Wars as it is as about the fans and how much they love this this piece of film, of filmmaking. So I don't need to show clips of the movie, and I don't, you know, and fans have already seen, you know, how many interviews have you seen with Harrison Ford talking about Star Wars? I mean, it's been done a thousand times, and I felt like, well, you know, as, and, and, and in some ways, too, it's actually made it more challenging and more creative to try to make a movie without having all that stuff. And basically what happened was, you know, we just, while we were shooting, shoot what we can, and then once the film was done, you know, we found somebody, a friend, a friend of a friend that was a lawyer, and told us what we could and could not use in the movie. Um, and then finally, actually, to tell you the truth, um, I'm probably getting ahead of myself here, but um, we actually got invited to the ranch one, like when episode two came out, um, we were driving to a film festival in San Francisco, and Lucasfilm called up, and that's when we thought, oh, we're dead. They're going to sue us, and I'm going to be living in a cardboard box. And they said, no, 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 we want you to come out, we want to take you out to lunch. And, you know, it was, it was the thrill of our lives. It was me and one of my friends. It was one of the greatest things we ever did. So you basically trust eating food with some guys from Lucasfilm? Yeah, yeah, there was, yeah, we, um... You know, they called us on the way going to San Francisco, and they said, hey, yeah, you know, we're these, you know, we're, you know, um, one of them was, I think, a, a, a photographer for Lucasfilm, and he, you know, and she said, you know, we love the movie, we have it in our, you know, in our video shelf, you know, at the ranch, and people watch it all the time, and we saw in the paper that you're going to show it in San Francisco, why don't you come up here for lunch, and we'll show you, you know, we'll, we'll give you a tour of Lucasfilm, and so they did, and it was, it was amazing, it was great, and I like um, if you see the movie. There's a part where a bunch of people try to break into the ranch. Yeah. And I actually met that guy again. There was a security a security guard comes out and tells them that they can't be at the ranch. They got to go. And actually, I saw the security security guard again like two three years later. And we we both kind of got a good laugh out of it. Wow. I wonder if that deputy still works for them. <laughs> um, I would think he would. I mean, I'm sure it's a pretty good gig for him. You know. We got to get him on the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of legal issues, you've, uh, you you just talked about uh, those guys who actually tra almost trespassed on the Skywalker Ranch right. uh, property. Uh, I mean, weren't you scared of having Lucasfilm on your back after that? Um. Yes and no. It was like one of those things of like, uh, yes, I'm worried that Lucasfilm's going to go and call me and sue me or something like that. But at the same time, too, I was like, you know what? I'm just a guy. You know. I'm just a guy trying to make a movie, and, you know, what are they going to do? I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't own, at the time, I like, you know, what, I have a 12-year-old car, I live in an apartment, what, what can they possibly do to me that, you know, you know, what can they do? I mean, it was kind of like, well, oh, boy. I'll worry about that when it happens. Right now, I'm going to do everything I can to try to make the best movie possible. And, and, and they all took it with, with a good laugh, so... I was very fortunate and very thankful that they did. Okay. Uh, of course, Star Wars comes in a, f in a DVD format with extra scenes. Right. Uh, but you taped over 87 hours of film for Star Wars. Yes. Uh, are there anything like anecdotes or cute moments that ended up on the cutting room floor that, that you think fans might have liked to see after all? Um, there was one. There, the, the biggest one was that's not on the DVD. Um, was uh, the people who did troops, you know, the, the smooth troops. Yes, Kevin Rubio and the gang. Yeah, they did, right. Um, they did a sequel um, mm. without Kevin Rubio, though. Okay. Um, and it was amazing. I mean, what I saw, I, we, I went and shot a making of that with them. 
and it was amazing. It was so much fun, and it was so exciting. But the thing is, is like once we finished Star Wars, they still weren't done with um, like Troops Two, and I really wanted to put it in there, but I felt like, well, I don't want to put a making of of a movie that isn't done yet, and also these guys deserve the like all the kudos to making this movie rather than me grabbing their heat. And I just felt like it wouldn't be fair for me to show clips of the movie when they haven't even finished yet. So unfortunately, that had to go out. And and just like a couple of like a a bunch of star, a bunch of the fans at the Chinese line went to get tattoos. Um, every like probably 40 of them that were in the Chinese line went to get um the the rebel insignia from Episode One on you know on their bodies. Okay. At a tattoo parlor, and just the reason we you know it was just one of those scenes I really really loved. But we just, you know, we had to take out, you know, and I, I thought it was like, wow, I mean, all these guys are getting tattoos and they'll have it for 100 years. <laughs> Amazing as this. But, you know, it just at one point we just realized, you know what, it has to go. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so basically, to, to put the people in, uh, in context, Star Wars was filmed back in 1999 right. uh, when we still had the hype of the good old days. Uh, we were waiting for what we thought would probably be one of the best movie of all time, Star right. The Phantom Menace. And, um, I mean, we see a lot of foot footage from the boat lines in Los Angeles. Uh, did your wife, family, co-workers, and friends think you were, like, a little bit crazy to spend so much time filming? Um, yes and no. I mean, my family knows I'm a big fan. They know that I wanted to get into filmmaking, so... They were very supportive. My wife was probably the most supportive. You know, I kind of, you know, I was editing. Editing was, you know, I was editing in L.A. It was a good career. And I said, you know what, I'm going to stop editing and I'm going to work on this movie. And she, you know, said, you know what, if that's what you really want to do, you know, I'm, you know, I'll support you. You know, I'll, I'll let, you know, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give you, you know, I'll give you that, you know. And she was, and she was extremely, extremely supportive. And I, I love her dearly for that. You know, I mean, it's not very, it's very rare that, you know, somebody's wife would let them sleep on a street corner for four days. Well, you certainly got to keep her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, I do for screening fans. Uh, well, thank you very much, uh, Danny's wife, for letting him make us such a great documentary. Um, which line did you actually decide, which theater did you actually see the premiere to? Um, I saw the premiere at um, the Man's Village in Westwood. In Westwood? Yeah, because um, I was, and my friends went to see it at the Chinese, because I want, the thing, the reason I went to the Westwood is because I wanted to make sure that I got a shot of Daniel sitting in his seat. Okay. Daniel was a 16-year-old kid who um, took an English, I uh, took his high school proficiency exam, so yeah. he was in a line for six weeks. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, I got him in that seat, you know, cheering when the movie started. <laughs> Um, I have a, I have a question actually. Go. Um, did you, have you made any money off of this? Because I know it's written on the box that it's indie DVD, so you must be an indie director. Right. So have you made any money? Um, I think I'm just starting to because um, you know, um, like I'm, at the most, I think I got my finances back. Um, the okay. movie just. I mean, after, you know, the movie's been out for two, three years now. The movie finally got to be on television here in the States on a cable station called Tech TV. Yes. Yeah, and and that, that's only like a 45-minute version. Um, and, you know, that helped, you know, you know that helped. I think, I mean, at the, in, for the most part, what happens is I go to festivals 
sell some DVDs, you know, and, and get a like a free plane ticket to travel. Like for episode two, we showed clips of the movie at episode two and sold DVDs and signed them and got to meet fans and. Yeah, financially, yeah, it did all right there, but I mean, for the most part, it was. I never made the movie to make a lot of money. I made the movie to show the talent of everybody who worked on it, you know, and, and also show just to make a really good movie about fandom, which, you know, the movie, I think, um, is. It, the movie is a tribute to fans rather than to make fun of fans. Okay. Okay. Um,. You actually went to the first Star Wars celebration in Denver? Yes. How was your experience over there at the Woodstock of all Star Wars uh, convention? Um, it was, you know what, we laugh, we kind of laugh at it now, but when we were there, it was pretty like, I actually got there a day early just to scout it out to see how I could shoot this, and it was pouring rain like two out of the three days. Um, there, there was like, you know, these 12-year-old kids like showing people where to park in mud. I mean, it was like a Woodstock kind of atmosphere. But I think everybody kind of, like, you know, took a step up or look to it and enjoyed it for what it was. I mean, again, you know, 40,000 Star Wars fans in one place, you know, was a wonderful thing. Because usually, you know, Star Wars fans, you know, they're not a dime a dozen, but you get a bunch of them together, they're all, like, you know, everybody's there for one reason, you know. And everybody, even though it was raining and, you know, it was a little, you know, complicated in the way they had things done, everybody still had a great time. So you enjoyed yourself? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed myself thoroughly, and even and, and because I was shooting it, I mean, it was very exciting for me. I mean, you know, we were just you know in the heart of shooting the movie and meeting fans, and you know, even fans like you know in, in the movie too. There's like these two people at episode at the first celebration dressed as um, Klingon. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was just so crazy that it was fun. It probably gave you a boost to uh, to go until the end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it did. Yeah, I mean, it it. it It made you want to continue to say, wow, this is something really special here. We're going to finish this movie, and we're going to try to make the best darn movie we can. Okay. Did you actually go to Star Wars Celebration 2? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, we went there, too, and that was even more exciting because it was a festival indoors. Yes. And, um, and I actually got to show clips of the movie, which was really exciting. And being with the fans was great. I mean, we did a signing there, and, you know... I was with friends, and we're waiting in line for these people, and we're like, what are these people waiting in line for? And they're like, well, we're waiting in line to see, you know, the Star Wars guy. And, like, you know, it, I was so, like, happy that fans, like, embraced the movie and, and enjoyed it and, and understood that, like, hey, this is a movie about us for us. It's not a movie to make fun of us or anything like that. And, again, being in a state or a city with 60,000 Star Wars fans was just a blast. Okay, uh, I was there. I actually got my Star Wars DVD there uh, from the TFN booth. Yeah. So how come I missed you? You guys signing? <laughs> oh yeah, um, you must. Yeah, I was there for like an I think an hour or two, like after the the like we showed clips in that one in one of the rooms. That okay. Uh, are you are you planning on attending Star Wars Celebration three? Absolutely. Good. <laughs> um, a documentary like Star Wars focuses on the extreme Star Wars fans in a way. Right. Uh, because not all Star Wars fans would just go line up for over 40 days right. uh, f for the, the coming out of the movie. Uh, most of the fandom-oriented fan will, will recognize themselves in Star Wars, but from an outside point of view, don't you think it's, it cultivates the image that Star Wars fans are a little bit freaks? Um, I think there's, I think there's like a, a wink, wink, laugh at it a little bit. If you're not a Star Wars fan and you watch the movie, 
I think, yes, you go, wow, well, I, I would never stay online for six weeks for this thing. And, yes, maybe there is a little bit of laugh to it. But I think, too, people who aren't Star Wars fans who see it, they do sit there and see the the sort of like how a bunch of strangers, it's almost like Survivor in a way, how a bunch of strangers got together and within six weeks all became the best of friends. And those people still keep in touch with each other to this day. We all do. I mean, it's, you know, it's almost uncanny in a way how, you know, how a movie has affected so many people in, in a good way, in a very, very good way. And I think people walk, you know, the fans walk out of it going, wow, what a really good movie. We, you know, it really put us in a good light. And I think people who aren't Star Wars fans look at it and go, yes, um, it might be a little extreme, but, you know, these people seem to have a good time and they really cared about each other. And I feel like a Star Wars fan is no different than somebody who is big into sports or big into, uh, you know, um, baseball or, you know, um, the Grateful Dead or anything like that. I mean, I think everybody has their obsession. And, you know, just because it's science fiction, I think we get made fun a little bit more than others. Well, it's kind of like the movie Trekkies. Yeah, 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 sense. exactly. You know, I, I, you take Trekkies with a grain of salt, and it's really fun. And but those people, you know, they're not doing nobody's they're not doing any harm to each other. So I no, but I I loved Trekkies. Yeah, it's, it was you know, hilarious. It's, it's a healthy obsession. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, so you're still in touch with some of the, the the fans you met in line. Did you actually went and waited in line with them for episode two? Yeah, yeah, for some of them. I waited in line with Daniel. Daniel was the 17-year-old kid who, who's been in line for six weeks in Westwood. It's been in line with him and a bunch of other people in the line. A lot of the people that um, were in the line for episode one have gone. I mean, Daniel has his own management company here in Los Angeles. Um, in the documentary, there was a, a, a college student that was painting, like, these dark mall paintings. These yeah. Paintings. He is now, he became a senior mad artist for Lord of the Rings. Okay. You know, I mean, I mean, a lot of people that were in line, that people were like, oh, look at those geeks, have gone on to so many great things. I mean, you know. That's it. I mean, it just goes to show you that, you know. Because they learned the power of patience. Exactly. <laughs> um, you actually, on your DVD, have an interview with Kevin Smith. Right. Uh, how did you actually get around to meet him? Um, it was really, I met him through Indie DVD, who they were releasing a movie of his. And I said, you know what, Kim Smith's a big Star Wars fan. Um, maybe why don't you guys, like, see, you know, give him a tape, see if he likes it, and if he likes it, maybe we can get a quote from him or something from the box, you know, put on the box. And then he saw the movie and he liked it, and I go, you know what, there's a thing called the San Diego Comic-Con in California that everybody goes to. I'm like, he's going to be at the Comic-Con, we're going to be at the Comic-Con. Maybe we can get a quick interview with him and put that on the DVD. And, you know, and he was, I think at the time he was trying to, um... He was publicizing Jay and Silent Bob, and, you know, he was extremely, extremely nice and gave us, like, you know, 20 minutes out of his day there, and we just shot him in his hotel room. Yeah, we, was it like a Hyatt? For yeah, yeah, I think, I think it was like the, a Hyatt right next to the, right next to the Comic-Con, you know. I mean, he was, he was really nice. I mean, his wife was there, he's with his kid, and he was like, yeah, yeah, sure, come on in. Wow, you're a lucky guy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was. I mean, he was. You know, he's a he was a very very nice person. I own one. Okay, in the interview you did with him, you know, he was expecting that Star Wars Episode Two was going to be better than Episode One. Right. Uh, how do you think Star Wars Episode Two came up? Like, was it better for you than Episode One? Yeah, I think um, Episode One is. You know, it was an all right movie. I think you know. Again, after waiting maybe 16 years to see a new Star Wars movie, it would never, no matter how good it would, would it, no matter how good it could be, it would never live up to the expectations. Yeah. 
And then when episode two came out, I think people were a little bit more relaxed and going, you know what? This ain't going to be no Star Wars or Empire Strikes Back, so we're just going to take it for what it is. And in episode two was pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I watched that more than episode one. And, you know, besides that, you know, I didn't think the love story was that great, but I enjoy it. I mean, I thought it was great. You know, if they played it again at the movie theater, I'm sure my friends and I and all of us would go out and see it. Sounds great. Um, after a documentary like Star Wars, how would you go and describe a Star Wars fan? How would I describe one? Yeah, I would. I would think that they would be more than likely there. It's a fan. They're a Star Wars fan. Somebody with just a healthy. I wouldn't say obsession, but you know, a, a healthy. I guess semi obsession about a movie that they really enjoy. And you know, it, I mean, I think it's very healthy and very. I don't know. It's very. You know, I, I don't know what's the word. I maybe creative. I think it does is it brings out the best people. You know. Like I said, I mean, people love Star Wars, and it makes them more creative. I mean, they, they either draw pictures of Star Wars, or they might want to do something that's not Star Wars related, you know, be it, you know, making a movie, or, you know, making a sculpture, or whatever it is, and I think, you know, they put Star Wars into their everyday lives. Okay. And, and, and you know, and it, and it's a healthy, you know, I think it's a healthy, you know, thing. It's, it's almost a style of life. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think, you know, Star Wars... Falls in, you know, a Star Wars, you know, Star Wars falls upon them in their everyday lives. Is there any future project you might have, uh, like a, st- a, a second installment to Star Wars? Um, you know, I might. You know, that all depends. I mean, I know, like, we get emails from fans saying that, hey, you know, are you going to do one for Episode Three because that's, the, you know, that's going to be the last one, or, or at least that's what they say. Yeah. And they said that before. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, and they said that before, right, exactly. I feel like as long as there's, you know, money to be made and people want to see it, they'll keep on making more Star Wars movies, but they say this is the last one. And, you know, there is a possibility that we might do a sequel. The thing is, is we want to make sure if we do it, we don't want to repeat ourselves. And we get emails all the time from fans. Um, last year we shot, um, there was um, the Star Wars trilogy in 30 minutes. Okay. And we shot that, and we shot a couple other fans, you know, the Jawa guy and stuff doing things and kind of caught up on like well what is Daniel doing what is the group at the Chinese theater doing so I mean it, it is a possibility I mean we have probably about 15-20 hours of footage for a sequel we just got to figure out you know what's you know what can we do differently that you know this time around yes exactly okay uh, very quickly we're going to go over three group uh, we're going to go over the Midnight Madness okay the Breakbeat Okay. And Star Wars the Musical. Okay. How did you get involved with those guys, and how did they end up on the Star Wars DVD? Um, Star Wars the Musical came about um, on the web. I was on the web, and I typed in Star Wars for some stuff, and just doing searching on the web to try to find fans for the documentary, I saw Star Wars the Musical, and they lived in San Francisco. And I said, hey, I want to come out there for the weekend and interview you guys. And there was like at the time, there were like three college students. And they kind of laughed at it, and I was like, look, I know, I'm serious went out there and shot them, and even then they were a little hesitant because they thought I was going to make fun of them. And, I mean, when they did Star Wars a Musical, I mean, it was a high school musical, and it's amazing for what they did. And we spent the whole weekend with them, and then finally, like, the, maybe the night before we were left, you know, that they said about, uh, hey, you want to go to the ranch? And I was like, what, you guys can get us in the ranch? And they go, no, 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 we've always wanted to sneak on the ranch. <laughs> we're just being sneaking on the ranch. And I went... Well, isn't that illegal? And they're like, no, 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 no. Who cares? Let's do it. And I'm like, 
all right, and, you know, we did that and got caught, and it was made a great part in the, in the doc. The, the Star Wars um, rapper, Super Genius, I met him through the Star Wars Insider. Okay. And when I interviewed him, he, um, the guy, Scott Chernoff of the Star Wars Insider, um, said, you know, you, who you should interview is you should interview um, this guy called uh, Super Genius in New York. And I had a friend who lived in New York, and he interviewed him, and he was out of, I mean, he was crazy, but in a great way. I mean, if you're a Star Wars fan, you've got to get that CD. I mean, it, it's the best Star Wars, like... Music adaptation ever. Backbeat, yeah, Star Wars. Star Wars uh, Breakbeat, or Backbeat, or something like that. Break, breakbeat. Yeah, and then, um, what was it, the third guy? Uh, the third thing was uh, The Midnight Madness. Oh, that yeah, that was, um, that was here in Burbank at a Toys R Us. And the funny thing with that is... Um, there was people from the Chinese line that were in line, and the thing was, is our camera's so big, it looks like a big professional, like, television camera, that we actually snuck in with the press. Oh! <laughs> and so, you know, I just hold my camera in the air, and they thought I was press, so I got in while my other part of the crew were outside, so I got to shoot the inside while they were shooting the outside. Um, and it was insane, I mean... It opened at midnight, and then I went back there. And that was a scene that got cut out of the movie. I got back there. I went back there around 7 a.m., and everything was gone. <laughs> everything. Like, even, like, you know, Jar Jars were gone. And yeah, at actually, the time, they didn't knew. <laughs> it was actually somebody's birthday that morning, and they had a birthday cake for him and everything. And it was really sweet. But, again, we were, like, we were running. Uh, you know, we wanted to make the movie as tight as possible, so we had to cut that scene out. Okay. Uh, we're going to cut it short because you're <laughs> We have to, we 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 have and you have to leave. Um, basically, is there anything else you'd like to promote? Um, well, if you if you want to buy the DVD, just go to starwoids.com. Um, please go to starwoids.com. That would say that you know you can buy it on you know you might be able to buy it on some other websites, but it's much cheaper on starwoids.com. And you know, and there's clips, and then also too, when you look on the website, there's actual clips and stuff that you can see. So you know what the movie is about, you know. Um, I think a lot of Star Wars fans, you know, have heard of the movie and stuff. And, you know, and if anybody who is listening has any great Star Wars stories or ideas or anything of that nature, please email me at swdocc at AOL.com and maybe, you know, we can use that for the sequel. That's who knows? Yeah exactly, we, yeah, exactly. We, I mean... We might even be uh, on Star Wars, too. Who knows? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's, that's the only way that, you know, we, I mean, thank God for the Internet. I mean, that's the way you keep in touch with everybody. It's, that's it. You know, and, you know, you get so many, I mean, so many people, like, you know, since Star Wars has been out, like, you know, we get emails from Japan and, and places just like how they like the movie and, like, well, I was a Star Wars fan, we did this. And I'm like, well, you know, just hold on to that thought because we might be there to visit you. <laughs> Okay, I like to think of myself as one of the freakiest fan here in Quebec. Uh -huh. Okay, so I've got the Star Wars. The freakiest. Okay, I'm the freakiest. <laughs> uh, we have. I ha well, I actually own the Star Wars DVD. I also own the Millennium. Uh, Millennium's End. Yeah. Yeah, Millennium's End. Have you ever seen that? Uh, yeah. That, that documentary. Yeah. Is there any chance that you would actually work with Jeff Cialetti on the uh, on the next Star Wars? Um, you know, it all depends. I know, I know. I mean, you know, I know Jeff. It's hard not to know Jeff because we both made a movie about Star Wars fans. That's it. And, and we've met. I mean, we've met a couple of times in L.A. and in San Diego. He's a great guy. I mean, that's a possibility. It all depends on you know, 
you know, Jeff lives, I think Jeff lives in New York. Yes. I live in L.A., so I'm sure there's plenty of New York Star Wars fans doing stuff, and I have plenty of L.A. fans out here, so, you know, I, I, I could say that could be a possibility. I, I, I haven't talked to Jeff in a while. I know I know he did, um, what was the, the, the shorts that he did? Um, the, the Stormtrooper shorts. Yeah, the uh, Silent But Deadly. Yeah, those were very funny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we actually had him on the show a couple of uh, shows ago. Oh, yeah. So uh, you can always go to the archives and download the interview with Jeff Cialetti. So, now is the time. Uh, we ask our guests to do this little promo line. Okay. So now, okay, now, now is your time to, uh, to actually do it. Okay, um, so just whenever I'm ready? Yes. Whenever you're ready. Okay. Um, hi, this is Dennis Pazuera, the producer of Star Wars. You are listening to Star Wars Indirect. That's good. That's great. So stay with us. Okay. And uh, folks, right now we're going to go to a small musical break. Uh, we're going to be listening to Duran Duran, Ordinary World, and we'll be right back to Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom.
And welcome back to Star Wars on Direct. And uh, we're going to invite you again to go to www.starwoids, that's S-T-A-R-W-O-I-D-S dot com, and get this wonderful little DVD which I'm holding in my hand right now on the, wo- on the webcam, and you'll be able to see it because that's the last image we'll put on the webcam, so it will stay until next week, when we do the next show. Um, you can buy this wonderful DVD. Uh, it's really an, er- an hilarious film to look at. And, you know, it tells you a lot about what Star Wars is all about. Basically waiting in line, you know, to get what you want and be patient to get what you yeah, want. I guess. I won't be waiting in line, though. And, you know, it's like... I remember back in 1999, I was, I was going to the CountingDown.com website, uh, looking at what the, the guys were going to do in Los Angeles and, you know, do this huge lineup and wait for weeks for the movie to come out. And I'm like, I want to do this here. Go back and <laughs> fun. Then I go to these little websites and I realize there's absolutely no participation of fans here in Quebec. <laughs> when I saw this, this uh, documentary, I said to myself, I will never go in a lineup. <laughs> More than a day. <laughs> well, okay. There were like, th- there are different kinds of lineup. Okay, you got you got to keep that in mind. And Starwoids actually gave us sort of two lineups. There was the Westwood uh, Men's Village uh, lineup and the, cool and, the and the Men's Chinese Theater, the freaky one. The freaky one. The Men's Chinese Theater was organized by a guy uh, from Australia uh, from CountingDown.com. They raised over sixty million dollars. Still, million? No, sixty thousand. Sorry, sixty thousand dollars. For I would have said that's a lot of money. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, still sixty thousand is pretty good. Uh, they they raised sixty thousand, over sixty thousand, uh, for the Star Child Foundation, and you know that's great just for waiting in line forty two days. And I would do it any time. Uh, as that he'd start tomorrow. Wait, wait, wait. As they said, as one of the guys says in the movie, they really have like the humanity happening all over again. They had the beginning where it was all fun, then some unsecureness came up, and there was a little uprising, and then they put up a government, and they put up an hierarchy, and at the end, everything turned out to be well, and good, and everything was, was fun. But, you know, they had... at the opposite of them, about 8.9 miles, to be to be much exact. The other guy, th- this uh, Danielle, who was 16 years old at the time, a uh, 17-year-old, sorry, at the time, and he was just like chilling out on his chair, waiting for the movie to come up, and everything was cool over there. You know, they didn't had that much trouble, and you really see that it's really not that easy to actually organize a fundraising line. Too late. <laughs> It, it's really not that easy to actually organize a fundraising line, and I actually encourage any anyone, any Star Wars fans out there who actually has the guts to do it, try and get yourself some people and try to organize a line because that's an incredible time uh, experience. We, it, that too. Uh, we have the folks here in Toronto. Well, 
we're in, we're in Montreal here, but I know some friends in Toronto who actually did the line for Star Wars Episode 1 and Episode 2. Toronto Long Line. The Toronto Long Line. Uh, you can visit their website at thetorontolongline.com. If I'm not and mistaken. also through FanForce. And through the FanForce. FanForce.net. Uh, yeah, that's right. Good. <laughs> You're getting promoted. <laughs> Shameless plug. Shameless plug, yes. And not really. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course, that's it. You know, it's, it's really experience. And it's really always worthwhile because you're doing it for a good cause. You know, you're helping out kids at the same time. So it's not like you're w- just wasting your time. It's not like you're just being a freak waiting in line for a movie to come out. You're actually doing it for a good cause. You know? And I think it's actually worth it. If anyone here is from Montreal and listening to the show, please contact me and we'll do a line for episode three. <laughs> will be my pleasure because to Because he would love to do it and he's dying and he thinks that oh, yes. Danny and I are a couple of lazy, soft, you know. No, but you just you guys just won't do it. Danny won't do anything for Star Wars episode three because uh I what happened a lot of money. Because of what happened at episode two. So, you know, it's understandable. That's, that's, that's understandable. okay. It's it's totally okay. No. I can deal with that. I can win in line for one day. That's it. It will be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. That's it. it We'll watch Star Wars. It won't be an experience. It will just be fun. We'll watch Star Wars. I don't have time for experiences. That's it. (laughs) Like that. Sorry about that. One day, maybe. (laughs) In a couple of years, when when they come up with uh, 7, 8, and 9... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I won't be and around, you know. They said they would never do the prequels. <laughs> they never said they wouldn't do the prequels. Well, they never said never. they would do the prequel in the be- to begin with. Yeah, but they said they wouldn't do 7, 8, 9. That's it. So, it won't happen. Ha, ha. We'll see. In any case, uh, Star Wars is a really great documentary about the Star Wars fandom, and it shows you all different kinds of stuff. Uh, not only the Lions organization and what happened in the line back in 1999, but also the folks from Star Wars the musical, which seemed to be a really great production. Uh, the f- the super, what's his name? Super, ooh, the breakbeat guy, super genius. Super genius. Wow. Who also has one of his little uh, stop motion film on this DVD in the extra sections. And uh, he's uh, basically the, the guy who did all the break be- the breakbeats music, so they're really interesting. And the play one. I think we've got some over there. I'm trying to. Uh there you go. In the background, you get a little bit of breakbeat going on. So you know the guy. The guy actually DJs as a Boba Fett. Yeah. And that got that catched a lot of attention, and. I admire the guy for what he does. Um, I think that's all we have to say on Star Wars. Yep, uh, that's all. It's a great production. You should actually see it. Go to www.starwars.com. You can see Super Genius with his Boba Fett helmet on, on the yeah. cover. But there's actually a clip on starwars.com uh, when you when you talk with uh, when uh, Dennis talked to to the guy. Okay. Uh, from the breakbeats that so he did is take, a, take a look at the clips on starwoids.com and uh, you can actually download it and well you can download some of the clips but you can actually buy the DVD from there and you know just encourage him because it's it's worth it he's indie yes we need money <laughs> there you go so right now we're going to go to the community update 
And here we are back on Star Wars on Direct with the nice community update. What's happening in your community around you? Basically, right now, uh, there's something going to happen back in uh, here in Montreal, which is going to be on April 1st. It will be a nice little supper of the... League of Customers of Montreal. So if you want to join us, it's going to be on the Moe's on Sherbrooke Street, Metro Pinaf. Uh, just go half oh. hill and turn left. The official Star Wars on Direct restaurant. Yes. Or it's more like unofficial. Indeed. No, we even have a booth. We yes. have a booth over there. We were there today. I wasn't there. I was working. Oh. oh. Making money. Working yeah. for the man. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for the Dairy Queen. <coughs> So, uh, yeah, that's it. So the, the supper starts at 7, so feel free to come if you're in the Montreal area and want to meet us. Of course, uh, we're going to take another look at the conventions coming up in the uh, local area. On April 3rd and 4th, which is basically next week, uh, you're going to be able to attend a Big Apple comic book, Hard and Toy Show in New York City. Star Wars guests include Peter Mayhew. You can see the events uh, that will be happening on the website. Location is at Penn Plaza Pavilion, 401 33rd and 7th Avenue, New York City, New York. Saturday, the hours are from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. And Sunday, the hours are from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Adult admission, $9 per, $9 per day. And kids under 12 get in free. For more it's information, you can visit the www.bigapple.com. It's worth it just to go meet Peter. Okay. You think so? Yeah. I agree with you. And we're going to actually plug in our dear friends over Dusseldorf, Germany, for JediCon 2004, the Holocron Adventure, from April 9th to 11th. The Star Wars guest will include Emmy Allen, which was Hela Secura, Aaron Alston, which was, who's a Star Wars author, Jay Lagaya, who's Captain Typho, Rick McCollum, Lucasfilm, Steve Sansweet from Lucasfilm, Billy Dee Williams, who was Lando Calrissian, and you can check their website for the events, the locations of the Congress Center in Dusseldorf, Germany. The hours are not listed yet. Three-day ticket costs 113 euros, 120 after January 1st, so right now it's 120 euros. And you can find their information on www.jedi-con.de. So, I'd say if you're in northern France, any, pretty much anywhere in Germany, and in the Benelux region, you can probably attend this con. Take the right. train and that's it. Yep, or you can drive pretty much anywhere in the Benelux. You can get there pretty quickly. Okay. And you'll have a good time. And if you actually make it to that convention, we would like you to tell to like bring whatever you can and record some interviews with whoever you can and send them to us. And Rick McCallum. That's right. You know. That's that's pretty cool. You get some sound bites from them. Get an interview with Rick McCallum. You know, and you'll be like the uh, you'll be the hero the of Star Wars on the red, the correspondent of honor, <laughs> <laughs> the correspondent of the year. <laughs> Uh, of course, we're looking for men and women with good communication skills who are doing the major convention circuits all over the world. And, of course, especially in the U.S., Dragon Con, Gen Con, Comic Con, Wizard World, etc. You can send us an email at studio at swendirect.com with the title SWD Correspondent into it. And we'll see, maybe, you know, we can get you a free press pass to get into the convention if you give us, like, enough warning. Yep. Uh, our next show will be next week on April 4, 2004. Special occurrence. Indeed. And we will be talking about the future stories of the expanded universe. That's right. So if you have ideas... Uh, Some, a subject that came from me. 
surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just feel free to uh, send us an email about it at studio at SWENdirect.com. Of course, it if you have... cartoon, television shows, books, comics, uh, anything. Whatever. Audio dramas. Even, yeah. even okay. furries. You know, Star Wars furries. That would be cool. <laughs> comments. If you have any comments on the show or would like to make a suggestions for upcoming subjects, please send an email to studio at SWENdirect.com. If you like the show, we suggest that you talk about it around yourself. Word to Mouth is the best publicity we can have by our listeners. We'd like to take a second to thank our sponsors, Sitland.net, Legends Action Figures, Simple-Net.ca, the best uh, host server here in Quebec. And, you know, I can push it a little bit, mm-hmm. I'd say, in Canada and maybe in... Florida. The world! <laughs> Aren't you... Don't you have an inter- internship there? No. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Boss, if you're listening. <laughs> of course, our partners, FurryConflict.com, which, which produces the Trek Wars, the Furry Conflict audio drama, MillenniumFalcon.com, Star Wars Underground, Episode3.net, and last but not least, TheForce.net, your daily dose of Star Wars, and StarWarsFanWorks.com, the home of Star Wars fan audio. Here I'm Sebastian, telling you, see you next time on Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. This show has been brought to you by SimpleNet. Webmasters, online gamers, or administrators of e-business. At SimpleNet, we will always have a solution to meet your needs. You were listening to Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. Be sure to visit www.swanzerec.com for more information about upcoming shows. Legends Action Figures, the place for Star Wars figures and collectibles in Canada. Visit our website and compare our prices. We've got customers from all around the world and the best service around. Come meet the staff at our Montreal store or visit our website at www.legendsactionfigures.com. All prices in Canadian dollars. Citlan.net, c'est les toutes dernières actualités sur l'univers Star Wars. Plusieurs dossiers sur la saga. Des événements et rencontres entre fans. Un énorme forum de discussion. Une radio web à contenu 100% Star Wars, incluant une ligne ouverte en direct. Plusieurs concours ouverts au Québec et en Europe, et bien plus encore. Ne résistez pas à la tentation du côté obscur. Cliquez sur le www.cyclan.net. This is Veronica Whitney Robinson, the author of the Star Wars Galaxy novel, The Ruins of Dantooine, and you are listening to Star Wars On Direct. Sir, if you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while.
not a system. He's a man. Lando Cal.